Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. It is one of the greatest lessons in life or one of the best efforts we can make on a daily basis, and that is make the best of it. It's not always going to be ideal. And that brings us to Augusta National, which is where we start today on this Saturday on Fox Sports Radio, and we're thrilled that you're with us. Thank you so much. Ian Rappaport, NFL Insider, NFL Network, in a half hour, Mark and Rich, live, Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. Rich, let's open it up right away to everybody because this is a very simple question with regard to the remainder of the Masters as we head into, for the leaders at least, like the final 27 holes as this all comes together, and a lot of the guys who are in the top 10 in the world are all very, very much involved in this thing. 877-99 on Fox. Tiger is there, but he's not there. These other guys are big names, although not Tiger names. So as an enthusiast, as a fan, as a guy with a remote control or a girl in your hand coming up for the rest of today and tomorrow, are you in? Or are you now out? Oh, I'm in. You're in. Well, and here's the thing. For me, it's slanted towards being in anyways. The Masters, all the majors. I always tune in for those regardless. And even some of the tour events. My wife works in golf. Um, You know, I have access to information from behind the ropes that – People don't generally have. Oh, what I have, can you share with well, us? Well, who's, uh, who's, who's a good person and who's a bad person? I want to root for the good guys. Yeah, you know, uh, there are, there are some actual there are some really good guys at the top of this board. Yeah, let's put it this way: um, really good guys. You know, over overall, this is what I would say because look, like I said, uh, that closeness, that proximity to the tour, I I know what tournament day is like for these guys. 
uh, through the eyes of somebody who literally has to stand with their caddies, go through their golf bags, uh, communicate occasionally with the golfers. It's stressful. Sure. It's really stressful. <laughs> and this is one of those events, the Masters, any major, the Open, obviously the Open Championship overseas. We know them all. They matter so much more to these guys. So you actually have to be even more careful when you're communicating with them on these particular days because this is this is where the eyes are really there. This is where the notice is really there. And even more so now with Tiger Woods on the course, and I, I know myself, I haven't swung a golf cl- a club in two years, Mark. Um, maybe longer, actually. No, that's not true because I've only known you for two years and we went golfing. Oh yeah, well, 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 but that was almost in con- the interest in golf began almost entirely with Tiger Woods' return. We started talking about it a bunch, and we're we're like, well, you know, we should put together an open, right? right. And, and 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 so you're right. The the open that we put together and we played in, and then uh, my uncle came to town and I played around with him, and I'm like, boy, you know, this is interesting. I can draw straight lines between Tiger's return. And all of a sudden, dusting the clubs off. Okay, so, and and I am a make-the-best-of-it guy. So let me give you four options. Uh, Not that you're necessarily going to have a choice, but coming in on Thursday, these were four of the options that could have played out this weekend. 877-99 on Fox. Are you in or are you out? By the way, is that a highlight or is that live? Did Rory McIlroy just chip in for either birdie or eagle somewhere McElroy is firing up the board right now. That guy's unconscious. He right was here. only two shots off the lead. This was a live shot. He just chipped in on, I think it was either the seventh or the eighth. If it was the eighth, it might well have been an eagle. We're still waiting for the scoreboard to come up as we watch McElroy make a charge at Patrick Reed at the top of the board. Boom, it was. He eagled <laughs> the eighth. He chipped in for eagle, and McElroy is tied for the lead with Patrick Reed at nine under par at the Masters. Okay, good stuff there. Keep you up to date. Here are the four things that could have happened this weekend. Sure. All right? Choice A, Tiger contends with other big names at the top of the board. Right. Choice B, Tiger makes the cut, doesn't contend, but other big names at the top of the board. Choice C, Tiger misses the cut entirely. But other big names are at the top of the board. Or choice D, Tiger misses the cut, and somebody you've never heard of makes a run and wins the Masters. Now, I read those off in the order of what we would want as a viewing public to have happened. And what we got was choice B. So I'm not here to tell you that this is perfect. I'm here to tell you, though, that this isn't nearly as bad as it could have been Somebody named Danny Willett won the Masters two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I, a, I actually have a signed Danny Willett Masters flag. And you could sell that for nine no, cents. No, nine no. cents. Yeah. I, and that's the reason why I have it. Because literally somebody went, hey, you want this? And I went, <laughs> and I, I swear to somebody God. Somebody named Danny signed this. Do I you was want like, it? I was like, who is this? Yeah. And they were like, it's Danny Willett. I'm like. Who is this? Right. Who is it? <laughs> so I'm a golf nerd, and if I went shopping at the grocery store and uh, bumped into Danny while we were checking tomatoes to see sure. which ones were ripe, yeah, 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 
I would be like, well, hi there, sir, and I would have no idea that that was Danny Willett. He might even, with the polo, confuse him and be like, okay, listen, is this all the produce, or yeah. do you guys have another section like, somewhere around the corner? Excuse me, sir, you're in my personal space. <laughs> Please, I'm trying to get some tomatoes. So, um, listen, this is not that bad. Tiger Woods has made the cut. The early crowd can now watch him tomorrow morning and still with interest because yep. he is so polarizing, so interesting. We can even watch him play insignificant holes. You want to hear something funny about the fact that choice B panned out, where he made the cut, he's not chasing the top of the leaderboard like like obviously everybody hoped. Right, but the leaderboard is drunk oh. with other huge names. Fowler, I know that McElroy, right. Rom, Dustin like these Johnson. Are, these are guys you, you've seen, you've heard, you know. If you pay attention to golf, there's even more than th- there, right? So this is this is yeah. You're loaded up with names you understand, you know. Okay, here's my thoughts. Uh, the field became the underdog in this in this uh, in this event. So Tiger Woods came back, and the initial statements he really tamped down expectations. Uh, before the Farmers Open. We did our show from there down in San Diego. Down in San Diego, yes. So uh, I remember reading them on air saying, listen to how he's talking about his game. He's he's talking about his health. He's hoping just to make cuts. This guy wants to be healthy enough to play in the Masters come April. Well, you know, he checked all the boxes yep. that he set himself sure up did. for. So he reached a scaffold, and he's on to the next level now. But for us – I think everybody so passionately hoping that he becomes or returns to form what he was before, uh, it made the field the underdog. He was an odds-on favorite to win the whole thing. Which was fool's gold. This builds interest, though, Mark, because people do like underdogs. Yeah. Fringe golf fans come back to the sport, and I imagine some of them were, like, belly aching over the fact, oh, Tiger Woods is relevant again. He's good again. I hope he gets beat. The same way people hate on the Patriots, being a polarizing champion, Tiger Woods is. You can also get hate watchers on board. It is a real thing happening in sports everywhere across this country. It happens all the time on social media. See it with Twitter. People live tweeting hate during events. This is a part of our sports culture now. I imagine even with him not just above the cut, hanging on uh, uh, four over right now. Uh, it's it's a Saturday golf day at the Masters. There, there is still interest because people like to see the champion or the favorite not make the mustard. I can tell you what. Tomorrow there will be an alarm set. I want to be up early. I don't care if it's only on my laptop because the coverage hasn't started yet. I want to see what Tiger does. Yep. And then I want to follow that and see what Rory and Fowler, and DJ, and all these other guys do when it comes down to the end. I am all the way in. You're all the way in. But we admit to you, we're golf guys. Yeah. So, in or out now with what has taken place through three days, 877-99 on Fox, Ian Rappaport in 20 minutes, NFL Network. Let's go to Andy in Houston. Andy, thank you for calling. What's up? I think you missed an option through your A through D. Okay. option E? Option E it's the masters. The <laughs> well, well, I think I, that the course is... that that was always that was omnipresent there, Andy. Like there was no way yeah. that this wasn't going to be the masters because it's the masters. But but even when Willett won, it's still the masters. Well, it's but Andy, the... that means you understand though. That means like I'm going to guess some things now about you, and I'm like you, but I also understand that most people necessarily aren't. Like that means you're a golf guy or you love the masters. 
This isn't true for everybody. You understand that, right? No, I understand that, and that's the ones that aren't real fans. The ones that just are just jumped on board the last six weeks because Tiger's back. Well, Andy, that's here, not a real fan. Here, that's a Tiger fan. Here's the thing, though, and thanks, Andy. I, I I know that this is a thing in the sports world. New York does this to L.A. all the time. All the time. Oh, you show up late and leave early. You're not real fans. Um, listen, if you run a sport, if you're the executive offices of a sport, you don't tailor your work and your coverage to the guys that are going to be there no matter what. You tailor it to, as Andy calls them, not real fans. TV networks don't care if you're a real fan. They just want to know if you're watching. And – uh, if Tommy Fleetwood was leading right now, that's not going to do it for anybody. Right. If Tiger Woods is out there, that's going to do it for everybody. Yeah, no, I, I think what, what our friend was missing there was the fact that you don't hear guys talking about shot selection or what club they're deciding to use for the most part. They're bringing you the action. Speaking to his caddy, this is a hard dogleg lift. You know, you they, they're shaping the course for you. They're, they're, they're talking about the storylines aside adjacent from what's actually going on the course. They're trying to make it more interesting than it actually is. Now, don't get me wrong. As golf fans, as golf nuts, when, when you get on a course and you understand how difficult it is, then, yeah, that stuff will intrigue you. But if you're an outside fan, you want to hear about the family. You want to hear about the travel. You want to hear about the life it's been leading up to this moment where Patrick Reed is atop the board with names like DJ and, and McElroy chasing him. What's going on? What's brought him to the national champion at Augusta uh, College? You know, like these sort of things matter. So trust me when I tell you, you're casting a much wider net. And and yeah, while they're maybe not quote unquote real golf fans. You're not going to exclude them. So what? Yeah, this Invite is, them in. This is entertainment. I would never go to a movie and look at the guy next to me and be like, you weren't waiting for this movie three months ago, yeah. were you? You're not a real fan. It's it's it, guys just Poor guys just sitting there eating popcorn. Like, you think, that doesn't matter yeah. with do you, you think dude. Marvel, watch. Do you think Marvel cares who's showing up to see the <laughs> Avengers? No. Like, no, they're just they're looking at the box office <laughs> and they're going, okay, yeah. fans, real or not, we're happy you showed up and watched. Your credit card work? Perfect. Uh, you're a real fan. 877-99 on Fox. More of your calls next. Ian Rappaport in 15 minutes. Coming up next, Rich, I thought you made a really good observation about what might have been different for Tiger this weekend as opposed to the previous three or four when he was in contention in smaller tournaments. That plus some thoughts on what the Rams have done this offseason next Fox Sports Radio. All right, Fox Sports Radio on a Saturday. It's a master Saturday. We got a lot of NFL. We got a lot of NBA. And uh, there's even some baseball in there. This Japanese Babe Ruth thing. He does look like the Japanese Babe Ruth. Uh, yeah, he's pitching and also hitting. He just looks like Babe Ruth, actually. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of home runs at that. Um, so uh, we'll get into all of that and the UFC thing, too, because uh, I don't trust anything that comes out of that sport as far as you can throw any of those people. So, uh, Mark and Rich, glad you're with us. <clears throat> I thought this was an interesting observation that you made with regard to why Tiger might have looked a little bit different this week versus the other tournaments recently. Part of it is just the Masters is harder. Well, yeah. But that's true for all these guys. Yeah, no, it is. It's a harder event. You had mentioned many times from your time at Augusta following uh, one of your buddies, Aaron Oberhoser, 
uh, when he was participating, what, back in the early 2000s? Oh, six, yeah. This is this is one of those courses that is meant to challenge the best of the best. Mentally, on every single shot. Like, there's zero break. If you shoot a 72, that means 72 times you stood over ball and you were not comfortable. And so I look at that and I say, okay, of course you have to qualify the difficulty of the course he's playing. But also, how about this? Bay Hill, Valspar. Notice something about those events I just mentioned? Yeah, probably the first time you've heard of them. Uh, and and if you're a golf fan, you've heard of them most recently because Tiger Woods participated in and actually performed pretty well in them. Yep. And my thought is it's it's not because we all care more about the Masters. It's not even really because the course is so much more difficult. This is an extreme talent we're talking about. It's because Tiger cares so much. You ever notice when um, when you're doing something and you don't really care – you feel more loose, more fluid. You you know, maybe you're, maybe it's shooting okay. jump shots away from the light of uh, the public, and then all of a sudden in-game it's a free throw for the win, and your knees buckle. And, well, why is that? Yeah, now this happened to me just this morning, okay? Um, it is a random Saturday morning in April. Uh, my 11-year-old son was like, Dad, I want to go down to the pitch and putt. Let's go play golf. Nice. Uh, there's a pitch and putt close to our house. It's a par 29. I've always had a goal every time I go play there of shooting par or better. Right. And I've never done it. Today, I shot a 26. I shot a three under par on the local pitch and putt. And that round started out with me doing what I always do when I take him over there. Let's just have a good time. Right. He wants a Gatorade. Yeah. Let's have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Let's not lose too many of your favorite balls. Yeah. And let's just go see what happens. Halfway through the round, I'm one under par, and I'm like, oh, now I care. Willard on the seventh green. That's right. Now I care. Undulating read. And it's a completely different <laughs> swing. It doesn't matter if I should care. I did. Yeah. And therefore, muscles are tighter. Everything is different. And you almost had to. I had to do kind of a different swing in the second half of the round than the first because I was thinking things out. I cared. I wanted it. And so it's totally different. And Tiger has always been this way, always been this way. Even when he was dominant and he would win some of those tune-up tournaments, that's all they were to him. Yep. They were tune-up tournaments for the majors. You know, I, I, I actually, look, I attribute this to anything, everything. Everybody can. I mean, you date a bunch of girls and then you meet your wife. And you may not even know it at the time, but all, it was different. And it mattered. You cared. So you said the wrong thing sometimes and you beat yourself up about it. And maybe you like dropped the fork in the middle of the meal and spaghetti sauce splashed on your pant leg and you slammed your head into the table going to get it. And you felt like a big goof because you're just trying to impress her, right? You cared. That's the reason why it bothered you. That's the reason why it came with you at home that night. That's the reason why that shot at the end of the game mattered to you. Even though you've bricked so many throughout your life in empty gyms, the lights were on. There was fractions of a second on the clock. You were at the charity stripe. This should go in. It didn't. Tiger Woods cares about the Masters. He cares about the majors, but he really cares about the, the Masters. No, this was the moment. Like, if you're Tiger, think of all those years where he's trying through back surgery, neck surgery, to come back. Yep. And probably days where he felt like he wasn't going to make it. All along, the target was this, this weekend. The, for the last few years, this weekend has been the target and the hope that he could perform. And when you think about it from that perspective, 
I'll ask, did he actually perform that badly? My dad used to say things to me about picking up pebbles, making moments matter more, right? He used to say, like, look, dude, he's like, one day you're going to look back on this this career playing at Penn State, uh, the New England Patriots, the NFL in general, you know, even your time, like the Chargers Cardinals season, I played in 2012, we were 5-11, and 11. he's like, trust me, pick up pebble, pebbles, pit little stones of memories, like you shove in your pocket and you can take out later. And I started doing that. But the reality and the gravity of these situations are all of this is so, so important to so many people. If you really wrap your head around it, you'll get lost. I, I was like, I understand your point, and I promise you I'll try to do my best to to keep some of these memories around, but I have to act like this is normal, like this is usual in order to perform. And, and he went, you know, I never looked at it that way. I'm like, but that's the chore of every professional athlete. We have to make the extraordinary look ordinary. We have to act like we're just going to work. Meanwhile, we're playing in a divisional game. I mean, I was on the bench. The only thing I had in my belly pregame was a little chicken stock. Cincinnati, uh, 2013, our starting center goes down. And 14 plays into the game, I'm finishing out a playoff game. And everybody on the sidelines, heads dropped. When this guy got injured, assumed we were going to lose the game. I go in there and we finish and we win. And I remember the exultation after the game. It was almost surprising because I was trying to act like it was a practice. It's, it's what you have to do to sort of compartmentalize these moments. Tiger has been so long away from him, I think he's having a hard time doing it. I really, all I got out of that story was that before a game, all you ate was soup. Like, what the hell what were you doing? It was a very brisk day in Cincinnati. Chicken stock? Well, they served You're an the- offensive lineman for the Patriots. I've seen those food spreads. You're supposed to pig <laughs> out, aren't you? Well, no, I had breakfast and all that stuff. What I mean is, like, I was probably underprepared hydration-wise for the game because okay. it was a cool day. It was damp. It was uh, a little raw. And I, I gulped down some hot chicken stock in the locker room thinking, oh, I, he's got it. I hope you learned your lesson. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, things continue at the Masters. Patrick Reed leads Rory McIlroy by one, and there are a lot of people on their tails. Keep you up to date. Ian Rappaport in two minutes. Uh, all kinds of NFL stuff to get to with Ian, including uh, an assessment of what the Rams are doing. Is this the right way to go about it? Is it the right time? Um, listen, if you don't know – that Sam Darnold is the number one pick in the draft yet, please allow us to break this news to you. Yeah. Sam Darnold is a Brown. Anything else you hear is junk. Anything else you hear is a lie. It's trying to create uh, some sort of a picture for somebody else. Sam Darnold nailed the door shut on this this week when he flew back from, where was he, Cincinnati? He was was in Cleveland. He was in Cleveland. Cleveland! meeting with the Browns and was like, oh, sorry, I have a couple of USC teammates who were injured at pro day, so they're going to have their follow-up pro day. And quarterbacks at this level of the draft, they protect anytime you can see them throw publicly. What does Sam do? Hop a flight back to L.A. to help his teammates through their pro day and throw to them. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is one thing. It's called leadership. That's the kind of thing that changes cultures, and the Browns don't need to worry about winning the division yet. What they need to worry about is changing a culture. They found their guy. 
their guy is Sam Darnold. No. Don't listen to the rest. The door slammed shut, just like you said. That story, when, when the world is watching you and you're aware that the world is watching you, and the world is aware that you're aware that the world is watching you, <laughs> and you still find a way to impress people, that's how you know you have a special talent. That guy is going, I, I'm going to put my name on it. Put he's, your name on it. He's going to be an elite quarterback at the NFL level. Yeah, he's the number one pick in the draft. The Browns, I don't really think, have actually spent a whole lot of time seriously thinking about any other scenario. Ian Rappaport in one minute on that and more. It's Mark and Rich. Let's get the third member of our Wolfpack in here. His name is David Gascon, and he has a leaderboard update, doesn't he? I do. Yeah. I do. I do. And here comes Rory McIlroy. Now Rory McIlroy, long and right, plays it short of the green. This on a great line. Hits the flag, sticking in. A huge fist pump for Rory McIlroy. That's our third eagle of the day here today, but that had a lot of pace, but it hit the flagstick dead on. Rory McIlroy now a co-leader of the 2018 Masters with a hole out here yeah. at eight. Yeah, he did. He stuck the landing on eight, and right now as it stands, he is one stroke behind Patrick Reed. What I, are you I, say, I got Mark? a feeling about Rory this week. <laughs> I got a feeling about McIlroy. He's got... A really good look to him, Dave. That's your uh, that's your jacket right there. What about Ricky Whoa. Fowler? What about Ricky Fowler? Ricky Fowler is a really really good golfer who's going to finish in the top five, but right. he's not going to. It's it's Rory's weekend. Well, both players so far are minus five for the day. Tommy Fleetwood is at minus six for the day, and also Woo. minus six. For the tournament, Patrick Reed currently is your leader. He's at minus 10. Tiger Woods, nowhere in sight. He's plus four, done for the day. And Phil Mickelson, he is at plus seven. Now, in Major League Baseball, there's a whole lot to talk about, but I'll be brief. Cedric Bogarts had a grand slam, a double, two runs knocked in on that one. So six runs driven in, Boston 10, Rays 3. Mets and Nationals, here's one interesting element of this ball game. The 2-2. And he's called out on strikes again, and Rendon tosses the bat to the inside corner, a changeup, and Rendon just got thrown out of the game. He threw his bat down, and Rendon's been tossed out of the game, and Davey Martinez is livid. It's the second game in a row the Nationals have had a position player tossed, and that one was ridiculous. That was not a warranted ejection. If you want to give him an equipment fine, that's fine. That was not a warranted ejection. And now Davey Martinez has been ejected. And he slams his hat down and is kicking Dern around home plate, and the crowd oh, loves gosh. it. Eight. He's pointed the inside corner off the inside corner where those pitches were called. Well, that's at least getting your money's Dave, worth. Dave, you <laughs> I got love it. it. Will you get for us who was the umpire? I got to look that I, I, up. Yeah, look up who the umpire was because we're going to talk about this later. That what guy, sh he should be suspended. Yeah. I am not even kidding. He should be suspended. This was awful. Yeah, bad call. It was bad, uh, it was it was Marty Foster. That was the home plate umpire. That was an umpire making himself the story in that ball. Game. Oh my gosh. That was as bad like all the things they say about baseball umpires. This was the picture of it in Marty the dictionary. Foster. Marty McFly. Get out of here. Report to the principal's yeah. office. So bad. Deserves Na a spanking. Nationals lost that ball game 3-2. Bryce Harper did have a, a home run in that one. It was his fifth of the season. There Fellas? Alright, good stuff, Dave. We're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Geico.com or 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier? Ian Rappaport, NFL Network Insider. Follow him on Twitter, one of the best out there, at Rapsheet. Uh, and he joins us now live. Ian, thank you so much for coming on. We're excited to talk to you. Uh, this Sam Darnold thing this week, 
really got both of us going. I think that if you're the Cleveland Browns, you don't just need good players and, and obviously good coaching and more wins. The first thing you need to do is change the culture. And, and, and for him to do what he did for his teammates at USC, that oozes leadership. I, I, I'm more than convinced this guy's going to be the number one pick in the draft. What, what, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, of course he's in the mix. And what happened this week, look, it's not a big deal. It's not like the guy's going to get a Nobel Peace Prize. But it's a really cool thing to do for a teammate. Didn't have to do it. Uh, nobody would have said anything or cared if they had, you know, one of the backup quarterbacks, for instance, do it. But, no, this was the starter and possible number one pick in the draft changes flight to do a cool thing for a teammate. Um, you know, you're right. I mean, I think what the Browns are, are trying to do is not just get really good football players, though they have a good chance to do that. It's also, um, you know, get a face of the franchise and someone who's going to pull them out of a place where they've been for a long, long time. And, and you know, getting someone with sort of a – a winning attitude um, and the, kind of treating it like it's no big deal, which he did, um, you know, was a really good thing. That said, I'm not convinced it's definitely Donald right now. Um, I would say that Josh Allen is definitely in the mix. You know, when I talk to people who have known John Dorsey for a long time, um, they mention that Josh Allen is a guy that, you know, who, whose attributes he would like, big, strong arm, you know, can throw it 80 yards, big-time playmaker. Um, he's had a lot of those in his past. He's scattered a lot of those in his past, including last year with Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not sure I'm not sure this thing is done just yet. A lot of talk about quarterbacks as April takes hold. We, we know that this is a quarterback-heavy draft anyways, but draft time, this is the most important position in all of sports, and, and so the focus is clear. You know, all of a sudden the Patriots have a ton of draft capital and people are starting to talk about a potentiality of them targeting a quarterback potentially high in the draft. So where are we at? What are reports saying to you as far as New England uh, crashing the party, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it. Now, I'm not sure they're a team that's going to trade all the way up for a quarterback. I'm just not, you know, I'm I'm not sure I really see that. I think if they were going to, do that, they probably would have just franchise tagged Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of moved on from there. Um, but I mean, it's it's possible. And look, I mean, there's there's definitely some rumors how much they like Baker Mayfield. That's an interesting one. Um, you know, I know that they've done some quarterback workouts. Um, you know, I know that's something uh, that's something that they've kind of kept under the radar there. But I mean, you know, they. They don't trade guys with no plan. They don't trade Brandon Cooks, a really good receiver for them. Maybe didn't quite fit what they're doing, but a really good receiver. You know, they didn't um, they didn't trade him with no plan. So I think right now with an extra first round pick, you know, taking a quarterback if one they like is on the board is is definitely possible. Ian Rappaport with us, Fox Sports Radio, NFL Network will provide live coverage of the 2018 NFL Draft in Dallas, April 26th through 28th. Ian, speaking of that Brandon Cooks trade, it is one of four. Major acquisitions, splashy acquisitions by the Los Angeles Rams. I wonder what, in, in NFL circles, what people are saying about it. Because they're talented guys. Some of them are also headache guys. What's interesting to me, though, is that the, the Rams, they were so set up for you know a long-term run of success and a long-term plan. This feels very much like a right-now, one-year plan. What, what are people saying about it? Yeah, I mean, it, it does, um, although there are definitely guys that they could turn into long-term plans. Like, 
you know, Marcus Peters, they traded very little to get for him, and he costs not a lot of money. So if he doesn't work out, then they can just simply move on. I mean, it cost, you know, a late-round pick, nothing. Um, you know, so I, I think that was that was another one. You know, Dominican Sue, it's, it's just money. So if he doesn't work out, they can move on from him, too. I mean, there's I don't think they've done a lot to sort of hamstring themselves long-term. they still got to get Aaron Donald done. Um, you know, obviously, Goff, Gurley, both those guys probably get long-term extensions. I think they could get one for Cooks done as well. You know, they got so much cap space, not this year, but next year, $100 million already, um, that I think they're going to be okay. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this was a team set up for a slow build, and I think when last year they had all this success, they were like, you know what, maybe it doesn't need to be slow. And, you know, there's definitely some things on their on their team where, you know, you say you should win now. I mean, how you know, Wade Phillips, how much longer is he going to be doing this? He's in the 70s, certainly a question. Um, you know, they, they, they just, they're very close. So if you're a team like the Rams and, you know, you got a beautiful new stadium you're about to go into and you got all the young talent in the world, uh, why would you take your time? And I think as far as what I'm hearing around the league, you know, it's mixed. Um, there's some people who say, I really like how aggressive they've been. There's others who say, you know, this has not worked in the past, you know, acquiring a ton of big name, big personality, brash guys who all want a lot of money, doesn't always work out well. Um, but I think the Rams are confident enough in their culture that it can work out. Yeah, it feels like if you win, you're a genius, and if you lose, uh, it's sort of like throwing at the two-yard line in the Super Bowl. If it goes well, you're, you're a hero. If not, you're a heel. Uh, Ian Rappaport joining us. Yeah. The Giants at the top of the board, uh, probably the most fascinating team to me at least. Uh, you have Eli, potential successor, chosen in this year's draft. You have Odell Beckham Jr., the video release, the trade interest that the Giants proposed. What are you hearing out of New York? Uh, any speculation that they're going to either take a quarterback or potentially th- uh, trade away this second overall pick? Well, I mean, I think for the Giants, it's all on the table. You know, my guess is they probably end up taking someone like Saquon Barkley dynamic player. I mean, just listening to Dave Gettleman talk about him, just gush about him. Um, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to fake that kind of enthusiasm. Now there's, you know, there's good deals that can be had. And, you know, if, let's say the bills offer to come all the way up and trade them, you know, multiple for probably both first round picks this year and a first round pick next year for the right to take whichever quarterback they want. Um, you know, then I would say the giants are going to have a real decision to make. Do you take one great player in Saquon Barkley or do you take, you know, two additional first-rounders, but you move all the way back? Uh, and that's why, to me, you know, the Giants' spot is the most interesting. If, you know, if Sam Donald goes number one and Josh Allen is there, is that the guy the Bills want? Or, you know, do they – is it someone else? Do they trade with the Browns at four, the Broncos at five, um, the Colts at six? Um there's a lot of fun stuff that could happen really early in the draft this year that I'm kind of looking forward to. Speaking of fun stuff, great time talking to you. Ian, thank you so much for coming on. All right, thanks, guys. There he goes, Ian Rappaport on the Mark and Rich Show on Fox Sports Radio. We continue to follow along the Masters as the uh, the leaders are moving to the turn and heading to the back nine. That means amen corner right around the corner. Ricky Fowler just put one in the drink, for instance, on 13. So we'll have updates on that. And also, coming up next, 
I, I wasn't kidding with what I just said about the umpire in that Washington game. There is one thing holding baseball back. We'll explain what it is next. All right, Mark and Rich, Fox Sports Radio, a little bit after the top of the hour, Rex Hoggard, good buddy from the Golf Channel. He's good. He's there. And the Masters, albeit it's really an everything but situation. Uh, Tiger's there. He's not in the mix. But outside of that, and I heard Hartman make this point earlier, if Tiger was still hurt, this would be the best the Masters had to offer. Look at this leaderboard, okay? Patrick Reed is not someone everyone knows, but he's up there. He's probably been the best player on tour this year. But McElroy right behind him. Fowler right behind him. Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, Jordan Spieth, all right on their tail. I mean, this is what you would want. If Tiger wasn't there, oh, and but and Tiger's there, and he's not up at the top, so people are like, ah, bummer. Still in the hunt, Justin Rose. Yep. You know, I mean, like, look, there's if you if you pay attention to golf at all, this is an exciting field always. But the fact that you have the stars at the top of the board, you're going to see a guy probably wearing green that you know prior to the tournament. That's good for golf. But you're right. I think that Tiger, if you didn't make the cut. And I agree with anybody who is a Tiger fan or just tuning in for Tiger if they their decision was to turn off the Masters. Because if that's what you're there for, the intrigue, what's Tiger going to do? Yeah. How does he look? Yeah. How is he going to finish? Trust me, watch it any way you like. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I like, the, I like the majors a lot. I watch all of them. I like Tiger Woods a lot. I know I pay extra close to attention to golf when he's golfing. He's great for golf. He's great for everything to do with golf. And this tournament is really – opening round, I believe it was a 40% rise year to year from last year to this. And yesterday was 50%. The, the, the numbers just came out on yesterday. It was 50%. I'll be interested to see what the weekend numbers come in at. But keep this in mind. This is only major number one for the year. That's correct. And Tiger has made the cut, and while he didn't contend – uh, it's another step uh, to me, you know, I now want to watch him again at the, at the majors that are coming up. Um, listen, that kind of fan, the average fan, it's what every sporting event, it's what every piece of entertainment is trying to get. Yep. Hey, baseball, wake up. Your sport is under attack by somebody who is working inside the building. I understand that when you're on a playing field, and heck, even if you just walk outside your front door, everybody wants respect. (laughs) I get it. There's this weird hierarchy that people build in their minds. And for some reason, an umpire on a baseball field, well, he's the big boss. Well, yeah. Well, actually, he's not. Because in any other company, the boss is the most important employee. And Bryce Harper is a much more important employee than any umpire. There's no disrespect to any umpire. I have family members who were umpires at a professional level in baseball. And I would look at them in their face and tell them this. What happened in Washington, was this today? This was today. This was earlier today. Anthony Rendon gets rung up on strikes. He doesn't even look at the umpire. He simply frustratedly flips the bat onto the ground. And starts to walk away. He never even looked at him. Never even looked at him. But boy, the umpire looked at him. He did that classic umpire, rip the mask off, have his pudgy face looking at Rendon and being like, 
hey, kid, what the hell kind of a reaction was that? And threw him out of the game. Yep. Baseball, if you want anybody to relate to you, if you want to understand the fact that people are there to see the participants, we had this argument last week about Durant. Yep. I'm so glad it finally happened to someone else so that I can sit on the same damn high horse and say the same damn thing. That umpire should be suspended for what he did. Yeah, okay. Nobody said a word to him. Nobody made contact with him. Nobody even looked at him. And he threw an athlete out of a game. He should sit on the pine for a week. I don't think that he should be suspended, but I think a rule should be made in his name. Call it the Marty Foster. Call it the Marty Foster rule. Of course his I'm name not, is Marty. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Hey, McFly. I, I look at a guy like this behind the plate as doing his job today because he it's like I told you last week with Durant, it's always subjective. It is subjectivity at certain points in the officiating crew's job is to decide is this fair or foul? Let me let me go ahead and make a knee jerk reaction. He decided it was look, when when I tell you when I tell you that Rendon shouldn't have been tossed, he should not have been tossed. This is an infielder who hit 300 last year. People show up, pay great money to go into seats and see home runs hit. One of the, maybe, I don't know, a, a, a national type. This is my guy. Everybody talks about Bryce, but this is my guy. He gets tossed for flipping his bat on home plate. Look, Major League Baseball is becoming the old relative who you love a lot, but you fear going checking in on. And the reason is because you're worried that if I go and spend time with Grandpa, Am I going to taint the memory I have of grandpa? Baseball is the octogenarian sitting on the front stoop, spraying the kids for even getting near their grass. Stop being so exclusive with this generation of viewers and watchers and interest. This is ridiculous. This will kill your sport. And eSports, people are going to be watching Fortnite and PUBG. Oh, for the love it's, of it. It's going to be a problem for you if you my, don't fix this. My 11-year-old son asked me on a daily basis, can I go watch Fortnite? And I'm like, <laughs> for the 11th year in a row, the answer's no. For the 11th year in a row, the answer's no. Stop asking. Um, that was so well said. For every old person out there, when someone asks you, how are you? It's not a question where we want the full answer. That's right. Don't start telling us about the color of you know what that's coming out of your body. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not what how are you means. Okay, umpires? All right, Rex Hogger to the Golf Channel joins us next. A lot of people in sports have a hard time with two things in golf. One, if you're any sort of a purist or a player or whatever, Golf is not a sport where you're supposed to root against anyone. That's hard for sports fans because that's the whole idea. You're a Red Sox fan. You're not just a Red Sox fan. You're a Yankee hater. That's the deal. I root for them. I root against them. In golf, you're supposed to root for everybody, which is kind of a weird dynamic, and I'm almost feeling bad about it right now. I'm kind of rooting for Patrick Reed to put one in the drink, and that's not me, but... I want this thing to stay tight, and in the end, as much as I know who Patrick Reed is, and he might be a secret key for the sport of golf that nobody realizes, because what is Patrick Reed? The idea is in golf, oh gosh, these guys are all stuffy nerds, and they get mad like Rory McIlroy does when somebody's had too many beers and says the wrong thing at a golf no! tournament. <laughs> why, why can't, why can't? Every tournament be like Phoenix. Bro, I dropped 
my beer hat <laughs> in the bunker. So uh, Patrick Reed, the public at large doesn't realize, is a total smack talker. Oh yes, he absolutely he's 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 overweight, just a little bit. Yeah, and he's a swashbuckling trash talker. He's exactly what golf needs. But the public at large, who would love this guy, they don't know that yet. So that might be a hidden a hidden gem if he wins. Uh, but I want this thing to stay tight. I love the idea of Rory or Ricky winning this thing. So there's a little piece of me that would love to see him put one in the water. The dynamic you're talking about, the opponent in golf is the course. That's the reason why it's difficult to root uh, for for failures because you're competing against an inanimate object. It'd be amazing if your partner got to like run around in front of you and try to distract <laughs> yeah. you while you were hitting. Yeah, if like, it was actually one on one, that'd be incredible. Look, look, golf is such a great sport from this standpoint. Like anybody can grab a golf ball because you're not contest. You don't need friends. You could do it alone. You just need daylight and a course, yep, right? You yep. have a tee, a bag, a bag of clubs, and you could go play the sport. And so that's why it's really made its way. Uh, into the minds and eyes of the people is because it's it's really the people's sport. You could be 50 years old, a chain smoker who's slamming <laughs> RB sandwiches on your way to the course, and you're still probably a decent golfer yep. if you practice yep. enough. Okay, so I digress there. It's very difficult to root for Augusta. Like, I'm not sitting there going, hey, did you – and this is true, but did you know the groundskeeper is uh, Penn State grad? Yeah, that's a huge ag school. That is, that is actually Those true. greens are undulating. Mm. And, yeah. boy, I'll tell you what, the weather has soaked her up. She's just going to eat all these golfers alive. <laughs> of all the golf nerds out there, that's the nerdiest idea I've heard yet. Uh, I agree. So, uh, all right, let's get Rex Hoggard in here, Golf Channel, senior writer, um, and uh, and fantastic on all this stuff that we've been discussing. Roy McElroy right now is at Amen Corner and on the 13th of par five. We'll keep you up to date. He's got a little left with his drive. Uh, but Rex joins us now. Rex, you know, I'm looking at Patrick Reed and most of the world, the average fan doesn't really know much about Reed, but I wonder about him if he does win a major. Wouldn't it be good for golf if someone like him, a trash talker, if you will, actually started to get more attention because it might open up golf to more average fans. Oh, I think he brings that audience for sure. I mean, you just look at what he did. I just had a lot of fun on Twitter because, you know, Rory chips in on, on seven and you go back to 2016 at the Ryder cup when he was shushing the crowd and saying, I can't hear you. And then it was, it, it was just a moment later, Patrick Reed answered and I could put the exact same picture up, but this time it's Patrick shushing the crowd and, it just brings an element to golf that you normally don't have, and it's really entertaining. I mean, it's fun. It's not mean-spirited. I mean, those two have a genuine respect for each other. And I'm watching now just imagining how cool it would be tomorrow if somehow those two end up in the final group because <laughs> that's exactly what golf needs right now, a little trash talk, a little elbow. I mean, it's fun. You know, okay, uh, but Rex, there there is the fan element, and people get excited and have become even more excited with Tiger's, uh, you know, back back in the tour and, and having success. McElroy, top of the board today, has recently said he wants to ban alcohol sales at tour events. Uh, Masters bans certain phrases. You utter the word mashed potatoes after a golfer swings his club or dilly dilly, you're going to get <laughs> tossed out of the event. Um, players have had fans removed for comments made during recent events. It feels like golf 
it, it creates this exclusiveness, and I think it's the wrong way to go about it. Do you see that loosening up anytime soon? I do. I mean, in direct response to, I mean, the dilly dilly thing, it, that seems a little silly this week, but <laughs> there have been instances this week on the, you know, this year on the PGA Tour, specifically Rory talked about the fans of Honda and Justin Thomas has mentioned fan behavior. And the commissioner just two weeks ago when we were in Austin talked about it and we asked him and he said, look, there's certain things that we're not going to allow that's going to impact play. If you're yelling in the middle of a backswing and it impacts the competition, they're not going to allow that. But he did say that if you go in any other sport, if you're the center fielder for the Baltimore Orioles, it is not a friendly environment to go and play at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get yelled at. You're going to have things said to you that aren't comfortable. That's kind of the part. That's what happens in mainstream sports. And if golf wants to become more of a mainstream sport, this is what we're going to have to wrap our minds around. Rex Hoggard, Golf Channel, joining us. Okay, Rex, what is the assessment of Tiger? Um, is this a disappointment? How does it set up for the future majors this year? What are your thoughts on all of that? Uh, it is a disappointment because we had such high expectations, and in his defense, he has warned us all along to temper those expectations. He's, you know, he's tried to keep everything in perspective and keeps pointing out that it was just a few months ago when he didn't know if he was even going to play golf again recreationally, let alone on the PGA Tour, let alone at a major championship. So the fact he made the cut is probably not going to do much for his fans. They don't want to hear that. They want to see Tiger on Sunday in the red and black trying to compete for another green jacket. But his game's just not there yet. And he, he was the first one to admit it the last couple of days. that Look, his iron play has just been awful. And something's just not clicking, and he's going to use this experience and move forward. Going to the next few majors, I think it will serve him well. It's given him an opportunity to test his swing, to test his game under the most intense pressure. So for him, I think he's using this all as a positive. Uh, the fans are not good. They don't want to hear that, and I get it, but they, they need to keep things in perspective that this is going to take some time. Is his problem this week as far as the performance has been the fact that he cares so much? I mean, the Masters obviously a more challenging course at Augusta National, but you felt that the Valspar at, at the Farmers, at, the, at Bay Hill, he wasn't probably applying the pressure to himself and the care for the tournament he was playing in, as he probably would in a major the first since his return? Oh, you can want something too much. And in this particular case, I can definitely see Tiger wanting it too much. He hasn't played here since 2015. He came here essentially as a ceremonial golfer just for the champion's dinner. That was hard on him. He admitted it. You know, it, it, this is a place that means the world to him. It's going to define his career like it defined Jack Nicklaus's. And you can definitely see that he came into this week putting a lot of pressure on himself, particularly after what he had done, you know, in the two starts before this, putting himself in contention at Tampa and do it again at Bay Hill in Orlando. I think he had very high expectations, and he probably had to temper those after the first round, and he had to scramble and work really hard for a one over 73 and just hasn't had anything the last two days, and I think he kind of came back to earth a little bit. Rex Hoggard, Golf Channel, joining us. You know, broadening the question here to all of golf, analytics is coming into focus in all sports. Baseball, you're hearing about exit velocity of a ball, launch angle of the batter. Uh, basketball, they actually can quantify hustle stats to see how much effort you're putting in in an analytical way. And get ready for quarterback spin rate to be uh, judged, how fast the ball's spinning as it's coming to a receiver's hands. Uh, golf, this isn't talked about very much. How much does analytics play a role in preparation for tournament play? I feel like you're setting me up because I heard the conversation before I came on about grass and <laughs> agronomics. <laughs> <laughs> 
I heard golf nerd mentioned. I <laughs> no, feel like I'm no. getting set up. No, no, uh, trust no, me, because Rex, I we, actually think that golf does a good job tamping this down. You don't hear about it a ton, but but I'm interested here. What what do the players use as far as the numbers available? Yeah, and we and you're amongst friends, Rex. Oh, we, yeah. we are golf nerds <laughs> too, true. so it's it's okay. <laughs> Uh, actually, there's tons and tons of data, and, and Tiger has talked. And Tiger's a golf nerd; he'll be the first one to tell you. But he talked about it in this comeback, and he talks about his club head speed and being around 120, 125. And he'll go back to he never thought, you know, in the prime of his career, it was about 122. And he talks about the reasons behind it and how he's been able to do it with this rebuilt back and its new technology and a new golf ball and the whole nine yards. That's one way to do it, and you can certainly look. It, it was interesting. Him talking about all these things made me look, because there is quite a bit of radar data. And I, I took a snapshot of just his radar data for a particular shot, and I sent it to a very famous swing coach. I didn't put his name on it, and I said, if you just saw this data, what would you say about the swing? And, and the coach was like, it, it's amazing. I mean, everything about it is perfect, and he, he walked me through all the numbers without putting a face to it. And, and you can do it. Most guys don't. There are a few that kind of have delved into this, because I think golf is such a field game. I mean, you can only perfect the golf swing so much because it's moving so fast and there's so many things, so many variables that go into it. So I think you're only going to have a small segment of the audience that really buys into this, but it's certainly in the game right now. Uh, golf nerds unite. Hey, Rex, great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right, there he goes. Rex Hoggard, he's a writer for the Golf Channel out there at Augusta, where, by the way, uh, the sky's just opened up. Oh, yeah. It is dumping. Patrick Reed just bogeyed. Rory just put one up on a hill. <laughs> and some flowers. And some flowers. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the scores, you might see them turn back around and come on down if that rain continues because it looks pretty <laughs> It looks pretty intense. Like, we're not talking rain. We're talking it is dumping I think, at Augusta right now. I think Mother Nature put money on Tiger. She That's did. my guess. She did. That's she, my guess. And everybody's going to be plus four here in an hour. <laughs> uh, we'll find out. Boy, that would change tomorrow a little bit, wouldn't it? All right, we're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It's Mark and Rich, and coming up next, somebody's MVP award just got rendered insignificant. We'll tell you who next. On Fox Sports Radio. You got to get to Hooters and try the new smoked wings. Oh, I've had them. Well, yeah, because they're wings. <laughs> yeah. So, like, people who like sports eat wings. That's how it works. Well, yeah, and uh, look, you know, I've had a lot of wing in my day. <laughs> That's a hell of a wing, that smoked wing. <laughs> it's a whole new way to crave wings. <laughs> All the taste, half the calories. You could eat twice as many Hooters, and I bet you did. Well, see, I mean, I really don't like to quantify things. I just sort of go off feel. Yeah. You know, I'm not an analytics guy when it comes no, to wings. I very, just look at the stack afterwards <laughs> and I make a decision. You're a very organic person. Uh, Rory McIlroy, this is, by the way, this is the definition of a professional golfer. This is what they do, okay? You're at the Masters. It's pouring. Yeah, oh, yeah, just opened up. And you're playing Augusta National. And you're in second place. All the pressure in the world. You, as it starts pouring, the club slips out of your hands and you yank a ball into a flower bed on the side of a hill. Make par. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> approach shot goes haywire to the tune of his caddy's holding the umbrella. He'll soon be under. He loses grip on the club so bad at the top of his backswing it falls behind him. 
He spends about a minute searching for the lost ball in the pink flowers, the petunias or whatever they have. Yep. And you're absolutely right. Par. It, it was like, oh, no, no, yeah. Yeah, throw the wedge. Yeah, this is fine. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Reed has bogeyed, so I think Rory stays to two behind him. Nine under. Patrick Reed is 11 under. All right, let me throw something at you here. Yeah. There's a game going on right now, right down the street from where you and I sit, and it's not going to get a lot of attention because it's like a battle between number nine versus number 10 in the NBA playoff chase in the West. Turns out, though, it's a pretty big basketball game. Let me tell you a couple reasons why. The Denver Nuggets are in the process of crushing the Clippers right now at Staples Center. Yeah. This is going to effectively eliminate the Clippers uh, from their very faint playoff chances in the West anyway. What it's also going to do is even the Nuggets up at 45 and 35 with the Wolves for the eighth seed in the West. Oh, I don't know which one wow. has the tiebreaker. Mm. But let me add this. The Thunder are 45 and 34, a half game ahead. Do you know where the Thunder will be tonight? It's a city called Houston, and it's a place where most NBA teams go to lose. So provided that the Rockets can beat the OKC Thunder tonight, you're going to have three teams with the exact same record of 45 and 35, all scratching and clawing, even trying to get into the playoffs. Oh, by the way, if Russell Westbrook in that loss at Houston tonight has in upwards of, I don't know, 13, 14 rebounds, He's going to officially be averaging a triple-double for the season. Remember last year, the reason why everyone told us he had to be the MVP? Because he averaged a triple-double. Stop with the other side of the argument. It's over. It's a non-starter. He averaged a triple-double. Really? Then how come this year, averaging a triple-double again, about the exact same seed in the playoffs, how come it's not a non In fact, it's a non-starter in the other direction this year. His name's not even coming up. Well, Why? I, I will say this. I think, I think the bigger story last year, to be fair to Russell Westbrook, was the fact that he, he passed Oscar Robertson. And that's as far as single well, he was season. the first one to do it since Oscar Robertson. Robertson's the only other one to do it. The triple-double yes. record. He's, he now holds it. So that, that was a very different season Averaging a triple-double, and like you mentioned, he was the first one, he tied the, the effort to average a triple-double, I think was less of lesser the story than the fact that he actually eclipsed the single-season record. Hmm. That's part of it. But here's the other part of it. People got very caught up in the headlines. And I've said this for a while now. Most valuable player, yeah, that's not it. It's the MVP award. And the reason why it's the MVP award and not most valuable player, because if it was the most valuable player, you'd be assessing a player's value. And every single year would go to LeBron, LeBron James. James. Because if you really held them to the, the, the fire and said, every executive in the NBA, come here, let us hear it. Who would you add to your roster starting from <laughs> the ground up? That, that to go and win a championship, they'd all say LeBron Well, James. that just means he's best player, though. That's also different. Uh, LeBron James has cost himself some MVPs in recent years because he sits out games, he, uh, he coasts at certain times even, because he wants energy at the end. I'm not blaming him for anybody. 
Uh, but there are a lot of people who look at that and say, I'm not going to give you the MVP if you're going to sit 10 games. Right. And right. you're also going to have, like, you're going to be the three seed when you're clearly the most talented roster. Uh, but, but this again, year, they're not the most talented mi- mi- roster. Misinterpreting, however, the fact that the, the conversation should be about value. Yes. Because if you're talking about value, when he misses floor time, the Cavs look starkly different <laughs> than when he's on the field. They're terrible. So here's my thought about the MVP award, and I call it MVP because it's the most visible and popular player. Oh, that's interesting. That's it. You so, kept it MVP. Westbrook you changed the words. That's very creative. Westbrook was most <laughs> visible and popular okay. last year. Harden is the most visible and popular this year. It's just the way this award works. I think that's good, but let me add something else to what I think is actually going on here. Russell Westbrook, and you guys who all voted for him won't admit it, he won the MVP last year because you felt sorry for him. Kevin Durant left, and so Russell was mad, and he played with his normal anger. In fact, he played with even a little bit more of it than we were used to, and everyone went, wow, Kevin left this poor, now lonely star in the middle of our country, and what did he do with that? He channeled it to average a triple-double. Bravo. Except he did it again this year, and nobody feels sorry for him, because he has good teammates yeah. now. Paul George, Carmelo Paul George Anthony. And Carmelo Anthony. Yep. And what happened to the team's record? Not a damn thing. No. It didn't get any better. And so if you're going to get all-stars on your team and you're not going to get any better, everyone's going to go, oh, <clears throat> yeah, never mind. But I don't hear anybody admitting it publicly. Russell Westbrook was not the MVP last year. James Harden and LeBron James should have both finished ahead of him. He won it because you felt sorry for him because Kevin left him by himself in the middle of America. This year, he's not by himself anymore. He's doing the exact same thing. The record's not any better, and everyone is just slunking away with their hoodie pulled over their head because they realized they messed it up last year. That's what's going on with this dynamic. I, I think that the value part of this conversation is missed so often because that's that's exactly like it, if Russell Westbrook missed floor time last year, they're probably not that worse of a basketball team. If Russell Westbrook misses time this this year, they're pro- they might even be an improved basketball team because there's gravity in that system. He is the central star of that constellation. Everything has to run through him, and if he's not getting his, nobody is going to get theirs. And that's just how it works. The guy shoots. From everywhere, he's really only effective from mid-range and, and finishing at the basket. That guy has the ball in his hand 80-85% of the game, and he's got shooters around him, just like you mentioned, two stars in Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. It's it's not value. You're confusing. to It's, it's visible. I like that. It's popular. Visible and popular. It's not valuable. I like that. I like that a lot. By the way, I just noticed something else about tonight's schedule. So, OKC's in Houston. If they lose, they will fall into a tie with both Minnesota and Denver, who's in the process of beating the Clippers. But New Orleans is at Golden State tonight. Golden State is going to try. Their coach called them out the last time they played, and they're at home. I think it's likely that the Warriors win that game. Meantime, San Antonio is hosting Portland. Portland is the three seed. They're very good. Yes. San Antonio doesn't beat a lot of good teams right now because 
They don't have a lot of good players. They're a good team. Want to talk about another good value system. conversation? Yeah. Kawhi Leonard last year in the MVP category. That's another guy whose value is misinterpreted. Yeah. Look at them now without him on the floor. They're they're a 57% winner. Last year they won 61 games. Kawhi Leonard should have been considered ahead of Russell Westbrook. If the Pelicans lose, the Spurs lose, and the Thunder lose, the Pelicans, Spurs, Thunder, Wolves, and Nuggets will all have the exact same record with two games to play. The 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 seed is all the same team with two games to play. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. All right, Mark and Rich, uh, more in a second, but let's get Gascon in here with the latest. Something just ha- 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 happened at the Masters, and we get a little space between the leader and the rest of the group. Man, it's just a whole Woo! lot going on right now. Yeah, there the is. 2018 Masters. Sends it on its way toward the hole, and he pours it in. Dead center. Another birdie for Patrick Reed. Three in a row, and he moves to 12 under. Mark, are you feeling confident about that Rory McIlroy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Long, listen, listen, long way to go. We're, we're, we haven't even gotten to the point yet where we say long way to go. Um, I know Patrick Reed just eagled the 13th, yes. and he now leads by four. Uh, wasn't Spieth up by four last year with six holes to play? I mean, they're, they're, and this course. And Reed just put one in the yeah, tree. This course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. That was well timed. Wowee. Like this, I've been to this course, Dave. It can eat you alive in one swing. Can, can I ask you a personal question? Well, of course you can. You're my friend. How much uh, How much in the pocket were you uh, when you made your trip out there? How much in the pocket? Well, much, I was, let's say, hashtag blast. Wait a minute, you just said we were friends, so like, <laughs> no. tell me what the hell happened. No, I'll tell you. All the right. whole thing was almost completely free. Oh. I had to spend about $250 for a plane flight, and, right. that, and that was it. Now, here's why. I had a friend who worked for CBS who let me uh, crash on the floor of his hotel room. Nice. I had a friend playing in the tournament who gave me tickets, and he had rented a house for himself and had catered dinners every single night there. Okay. So, so I'm like, going to revise this. You probably didn't sleep on the floor. You probably was, slept in a nice, like, uh, uh, there down comforter. A, there might have been a rollaway or something, <laughs> but the point is yeah. it was probably a six-grand trip, and I paid 200 bucks. Man, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was not really, so bad. It was a really <laughs> good weekend. It seems like I would do that. It, yeah. was, a, it was a great deal. <laughs> Rough yeah. life of Mark Willard, everybody. I, I found it on Priceline. <laughs> it, was, it was a really good deal. That yeah. Billy Man. Shatner is great yeah. at his job. <laughs> exactly. I hit, I hit yes right away when I saw the deal come up. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, Patrick Reed is your leader. Rory McIlroy's at minus nine. Ricky Fowler is at minus eight. And Bubba Watson, he's hanging tough. He's also at minus six. Now, hanging on over to Major League Baseball, tons of action today. And you know, at one point or another, guys, we had to get John Sterling in this thing. The one-two. <laughs> he struck him out swinging. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. <laughs> they beat Baltimore by the score of 8-3. John either has a cold or he's getting tired of doing that. <laughs> Like, he didn't even sound like he was into that one. Right, exactly. Well, they did it, and they got things done. Red Sox beat the Rays 10-3. Mets 
beat the Nationals 3-2. Bryce Harper did go yard in that ball game. Mariners all over the Twins, 11-3. Kyle Seager with a home run, his first of the season. Two runs knocked in. St. Louis just beat Arizona. Royals and Indians are tied. They're scoreless. Milwaukee and the Cubbies right now in Milwaukee. This ball game's on FS1. Brewers leading one to nothing in the NBA. Nuggets leading the Clippers 101 to 89. The NHL, Claude Giroux with a hat trick. Flyers five, Rangers nothing. Fellas, all right, great stuff, Dave. Appreciate it. By the way, uh, Sterling, is it Giancarlo Nocipo Scoparlo? <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I've been practicing. No, uh, it's, it's really good pronunciation. Is that, is that it is, and yeah. No Sipo. No Sipo Stoparlo. Now, somebody did a Google uh, translator, yeah. and they it was something like Giancarlo ate a big dinner last no. night. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm way off. No, yeah. Okay. It was like, it was something that sort of meant, like, I'm, I'm breathless. I'm, I, it's something okay. like Giancarlo I'm, went and had the Hooters smoked wings. There you, you know. go. <laughs> yes. Giancarlo, no si puo, sto parlo. And it's something like you've left me breathless. That's correct. Imagine like it, it's something imagine like it was supposed to be that, but it was like Giancarlo has <laughs> terrible breath and another. And no si puo, sto parlo. <laughs> yeah. That it, it, very much could be getting lost in translation. Yes. Um, but everybody get out your Google Translator, and uh, you're welcome to call us and let us know what exactly that means. No si puo, uh, sto parlo. So, um, anyway, it's starting to grow on me, but not really. I still just want him to call him Goncarlo. Oh, Goncarlo. Gone, yeah, 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 get, yeah it, get it. Get yeah. it, Goncarlo. Feels like a daily news headline. Sports back. <laughs> Goncarlo does it again. All right, don't at me. The Sixers are real, okay? I know everybody... The cool thing to do is be like, yeah, whatever. That's nice. The Sixers have won. What have they won? 10, 11, 12 in a row. Yeah, they no, they're, the, they're streaking. They're, they're streaking. Right, but for, for the first 10 games of the streak, it was, oh, that's cute. Uh, <laughs> you've beaten a bunch of bad Eastern Conference teams. Well, now the last two wins of the streak are at Detroit and, oh, a, a team called Cleveland. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> they won by one after being up by like 25 at, at one point. But so what? I'm not even looking at it this way. I'm not here to tell you that the Sixers are going to win the East. That's not what I'm here to tell you. Here's what I'm here to tell you. I want to see them try. There is now a very, especially in the wake of the Kyrie Irving injury, there is a very clearly defined Eastern Conference Finals we want to see. Cleveland, Philly. And it sets up. No matter which one of them is the three and which one of them is the four, Philly can dispatch of Boston in round two. Cleveland can get rid of Toronto, and that's going to set up an Eastern Conference final, hopefully, of Cleveland versus Philadelphia. I think this is fantastic. The Philly fans are all nuts. They all think LeBron's going to go there. Right. By the right, way, that's right. the worst thing that could happen to Ben Simmons. Well, okay. This guy's phenomenal. I want to see him in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then I want to see him be the guy the rest of the way. It wouldn't necessarily be terrible for Ben Simmons, but I could see I could see it actually being uh, an, an uncharacteristic fit for LeBron. The ball's in LeBron's yeah. hands. The ball's in Ben's hands. Yeah. The ball needs to be in Ben's hands. People said this about Lonzo. Lonzo's not good enough for me to care. 
Ben is transcendent. That's that's a great okay. So that that's the difference. People go, oh well, why would he fit with Lonzo Ball? It's because well, Lonzo Ball's not not as good as Ben Simmons. Yeah, he's nice, yeah, he's not Ben Simmons. Here's the thing about Lonzo Ball. Also, personality wise, I think he would prefer having a bigger star there to take the pressure off him. I think being a second overall pick to the Lakers, that was something that his dad wanted. That's not necessarily the acclaim and the fanfare that he wanted. Now, he's done a great job with it because I, I I think outside of, uh, you know, all of the distractions, he's been able to maintain what looks to be a serviceable, if not very hopeful and potential for growth sort of rookie season. Um, ben Simmons, he creates. He's a shooter. He drives and finishes. It's unbelievable. He hasn't been all that injured. You look at, and I mean this season. This you season, you yes. look, you look at a guy like Ben Simmons in this year versus uh, Alonzo Ball. It, it, LeBron's a no-brainer to Lakers if you're going apples to apples. Here's the problem, though. Much like Brad Stevens and the brass with the Celtics, you get starstruck when you have the availability to go ahead and trade or acquire free agent like an Irving or a Hayward. You go ahead and do it. And then you start to rely on those pieces to the point now where you look at the Celtics and you go, wait, who who were their stars again? Yeah. I mean, why were they special before these guys showed up? Because we're forgetting. They're still a solid team out of the East, but they're not what they were on paper before because they started relying on stars. That's what the Sixers could do here. And since they've had so many injuries, I, I don't blame them for targeting LeBron or wanting LeBron, and certainly the fan base, I don't blame them. He's the most exciting player in basketball. But I do agree with you. I think LeBron is uh, hands down a better fit in L.A. Yeah, I, I just think that everyone needs to be uh, careful with a couple of things. Ben Simmons, and LeBron was the first one to say this, he is a huge fan of Ben Simmons being one of, if not the next big thing in the NBA. Don't get in the way of that. Don't get in the way in that. I Listen, yes, go ahead and say it. I trust the process. I am now officially trusting the process. This is a thing. Embiid has missed three or four games. Simmons only got better when that happened. That's the mark of a truly great player, and they've kept on winning. Assuming Embiid can come back here pretty quickly, the Sixers have – you know how in college basketball you get to the end of the year – and people and the coaches always go, well, my freshmen, they're kind of like sophomores now. Yes. The Sixers suddenly feel like sophomores. <laughs> they grew up. And they're ready. They are, I know I'm not saying they're gonna beat Cleveland, but damn, I want to see him try. You know, when when LeBron visited, when he went out and he visited LA and he played against the Lakers most recently, that felt like that felt like a tryout. That felt like the Lakers were showing out to show LeBron how good it could be if he joined their ranks. There was a lot of friendliness. There was a lot of uh, smiling going on. There was a lot of looking at LeBron to see if he was pleased after big plays. This felt different. The Cavs, they visit the 76ers. LeBron jams and stares down one of their play. Like, this was a grudge match. This took on a different tone. The Lakers looked like they were recruiting LeBron. The 76ers looked like, hey, bud, go to the West. We'll see you in the finals pretty soon here, pal. That's a good point. That's another reason the Sixers should say no, so that he'll leave the East and they'll be the best team alongside Boston. Mark and Rich, Fox Sports Radio. Rich has something to say about Giselle Bunchen, and he'll do it next. Here we go, Fox Sports Radio. Mark and Rich. 
What does it mean when Geico says this 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? Probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Take it or leave it coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to go through some of the hot takes of our other Fox Sports Radio brethren hosts throughout the week, and we will crush them. We're putting you on watch, talents. Yeah. And I use air quotes around Fox Sports Radio. You know what I'm saying? Which three, or did we end up with four, Gavin? Three other hosts are going to be put on notice. Get yourselves ready. Skewered, roasted, sliced and diced. (laughs) You people have no chance. Smoked. All right, did you send me an email earlier today that said Giselle is your wife? Do we have breaking news? What about this? No, no, I I don't think that's exactly how it was. How uh, did this work? (laughs) Does does Tom know about this? No, I think this was clear. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'll pull up the email. Here's what I said. Okay. Okay. I said, so Giselle Bunchen has been making news recently, uh, again, talking about uh, her her husband continuing his career with the uh, Patriots. Everybody knows Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen, uh, happily wed, beautiful children, really nice couple. Uh, spent some time in New England while I was with the Pats, uh, functions, talking to her, like as down to earth as they come, being that she is a global star. Right. 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 Um, she has very similar concerns about the health of her husband that my wife does. So this is what I wrote. Uh, Brady's wife, Giselle, sounds a lot like my wife, Annie. Oh, now I there get you it. There go. Yeah. I, I saw Brady's wife, Giselle, sounds like my wife, and I passed out because I thought you were saying, <laughs> like, I, I didn't, I didn't Come see. Come on, Annie. Annie. I, didn't, I, I passed out. I got blacked out the second I saw that. Uh, because I thought that uh, I thought everything was going to be different between us from now on. Well, yeah, that we would. Uh, yes, yeah. things would be different. Would, would be f- very different. We would be flying private, my friend. Yes, yeah. you would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and we would. We would need security. But uh, anyway, go ahead. So she sounds a lot like your wife, Annie. Yes, Annie. Um, so this is. I went on to write to you. Retiring from football is a difficult decision. All right, especially, especially when you can still do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly where Tom Brady is currently. Football is an all-encompassing and consuming occupation. It brings tremendous highs. It brings deep lows. It's dangerous. It's exciting. And it's all you know. Life beyond the sport actually seems riskier than the prospect of continuing to break down your body and brain for the sport. Uh, I left football without regret, but also full well knowing that I had a lot more blood to spill and that aspect still haunts you post-career. The thought, did I quit? resonates and and it'll never go away because you never get the answer still today the problem with being an athlete and playing at that level and being in such a demanding sport as football because you have to make a lot of sacrifices and some of those you'll feel the rest of your life I have a knee that will never be the same my back has been operated on my shoulders both life life can and look that's the that's the path a lot of athletes go I'm not limiting surgeries and orthopedic injury just to the sport of football but it's particularly dangerous and Tom through a 17 18 year career has has gone through a lot from a physical standpoint as well and Giselle has has really good concerns uh they're they're valid and and for me that decision uh to step away from the sport there still comes times in the back of my mind where I go was that a year too soon 
Like, what could I have done it a little bit more? Was there tread on the tire? Well, you're only what are you? Thirty one, thirty two, thirty two. You're thirty two years old. Uh, I mean, you're a few cheap meals away from being able to make some <laughs> phone calls here. <laughs> if you want to get back in there, man. Well, and that's actually the funny thing about the sport is, you know, you can't do it anywhere else. Like basketball players, they can go and find hardwood and a couple of friends and probably replicate to a certain degree, you know, com- a, a competitive game of basketball. Golfers for the yeah. rest of their lives, tennis players for sure, baseball difficult on the scale. But I've heard of men's leagues playing fast pitch hardball, sure. and I've heard of former pro- pros playing in them. It's 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 not the same in football. No, when you're, if you, when, if you're you, when you're it, done, well, you're, especially you're done. with like the way you guys are versus the rest of society. If you called me up and you were like, "Hey, bud, Saturday, want to uh, want to play a little football after the show?" Like, get the hell out of here! I'm not playing football with you. I get killed. Are you nuts? Yeah. No, the answer's no. The answer's I'm not no, football never, with you. Not now. Don't no. ever, don't ever ask again. Yeah. No, uh, it, that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, D- Giselle wants time to retire, and I remember I think she has for a couple years yeah, now. It's been it's been years, and he says, "No, I'm having too much fun. I want to keep doing this." And and it's 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 going to be interesting to see where that story goes. I know where it took me. Uh, it was it was pregnancy for my wife. It was the birth of my child. It was my last run at making a team uh, in 2015. Uh, that season, and it it looked like this. It looked like my last run was at the Detroit Lions uh, tryout, a group tryout, and sitting at a bar looking at a drink, uh, uh, a night sleep away from a plane ride back to my infant son, thinking, I don't ever want to do this again. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. You just used the word fun, and we keep hearing that word with regard to the New England Patriots. Yeah. Something happened last year, and obviously this is well-documented, even though I think for most people it still feels kind of mysterious. What actually happened? Like, yeah. What well, is yeah. the relationship between Belichick and Brady? How did that Garoppolo thing go down? There are the rumors. There are the stories. At least this much has become obvious to me. It had to have been the most tense season at least in recent memory, in New England. Gronk is feeling like something's wrong there. We're not having as much fun. Giselle said Brady wants to go back, but he just wants to have fun and play football. Be appreciated. Be appreciated. There's something last year, and they got all the way to the doorstep of winning it all, and they were favored to win it all, even though they didn't. It was a hell of a year, and he was the MVP. But there was something about last year that clearly to those guys was a lot less fun than usual. And so you just said, if that's that, if that's that final decider, like I'm still having fun, then I would say these guys actually are a hell of a lot closer to, to retirement or Gronk being traded than maybe we realize. I feel these two, Belichick and Brady, are jockeying for full credit. And I think Brady, over the past two seasons, has become the favorite. 27-3 and three deficit, he storms back, has his best game of his career, and wins them a Super Bowl against Atlanta. Well, he's the player. This past season, Belichick benches, uh, benches Butler, a corner. Their defense gets roasted. Yep. Tom Brady throws for 500 yards. I think this is a lot of ego and only one stadium to contain it all.
Um, all right, Mark and Rich on a Saturday. Masters coming down the stretch day three. We will keep you up to date on that. Patrick O'Neill's going to join us next hour. Uh, there is one hell of a story building in baseball. We'll be all over that. But take it or leave it. We're coming after the other hosts next. Okay, imagine if you will. This is bizarro. Rory McIlroy started the day in second place. Imagine starting a weekend in second place at the Masters. And then you go out and 16 holes into your day. You are six under par for that day. You are crushing it. He is on his way to a 65 or a 66. And he's gotten no closer to the lead. Yeah, so Patrick Reed just chipped in for eagle on the 15th. He eagled both of the par fives on the back nine. He's at 15 under par. Patrick Reed is going to be up all night because he is currently asleep on the golf course. Oh. Like this is yeah. Oh like you are you are now so good that you're actually unconscious. Um, this look, is he's, bananas. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Spieth showed up, and uh, let's see, he was in fourth place to start the day at the Masters, four under par. He's had a nice round. He's one under par. He's ten shots off the lead. <laughs> this is insane. No, yeah, Reed's crushing the field right now. He's crushing this course. There is something to be said about weather playing a big role in how this goes. This course got awfully wet yep. later in the day. Softens it up. Tiger Woods already in the clubhouse. Uh, everybody who had a tough opening round didn't get potentially uh, the positive aspect of playing with softer greens, easier approaches. Now, the, the course will play longer. We know that. However... Uh, you get the opportunity to sort of dial in a little bit closer to the pin, take some more chances on on your approaches around the green, and that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing guys go right at the hole, wow. and uh, and and it's paying off big for the leader right now, Patrick Reed. And for that reason, don't give up on Tiger yet. He's only 19 shots back. Oh, that's if, – uh... if, if he shoots a 50 tomorrow, <laughs> there, there's a chance. Okay. Uh, Mark and Rich, Patrick O'Neill in about 25 minutes. Shohei Otani's the best baseball player I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, but let's do this. We listen to all of these Fox Sports radio hosts, just a bunch of yappers all week long with all their hot takes. And then that gets us to Saturday. And we hand the baton over to our producer, Gavin Kinsel, and we decide whether or not we're going to take it or leave it. So we're going to start early in the week. Everyone forgets about the Masters at this point as Patrick Reed is running through the rest of the field. Tiger Woods was actually favored heading into the tournament, and that got him to talk about Tiger's impact on the sport. According to Nielsen, network TV viewership increased 93% during the first four events this season where Woods finished inside the top 25. So you see a ticket spike, a TV rating spike. I'll I'll just add another. Bridgestone Tires says golf ball sales are up 115%. When you increase business, TV ratings, merchandise, ticket sales, sponsorships by 100%, that is proof you are bigger than the sport. I want you to think about this. Michael Jordan retired in 2002-2003. Ten years later, we had Shaq and Kobe. We had stars, and the TV ratings rebounded, and the league was healthy. 
we had another dynasty. When Joe Montana retired 10 years later, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, NFL ratings up, growth, merchandise, tickets on more TV networks. Tiger disappeared for a decade. He is still the only guy. Tiger Woods is without question in my 30 years of covering sports, the most powerful and influential athlete of my time. All right, Mark, we'll start with you. Take it or leave it. Um, I'm going to completely take it. Gavin, you must not have heard Rich and I in San Diego with our lead topic yesterday on Friday where we spent the entire time (laughs) talking about how uh, not only is Tiger bigger than the sport, it's fascinating to me that in all of sports, in all of sports right now, take a Brady, take a LeBron even, if those guys got hurt and go away, there are other things to which we can turn our attention. LeBron gets hurt, you still get the Warriors. Brady gets hurt, you still got the Cowboys. Tiger gets hurt, and we've got Jordan Spieth. Yeah, like that's fine if you really love golf, but I, I can't imagine another time in history where somebody misses the better part of five years of, uh, out of a sport, and the moment he gets back rich, he's still bigger than the sport. That's incredible. Kids, I'll take it. I'll take it, and the reason is simple, and it's one word. It's kids. Think about a kid asking a child, name a golfer. Every single kid <laughs> would say Tiger Woods. It, it's just what it comes down to. When, when you are winning that generation – you are crushing everything else. Now, yeah, Winning. when when you're you're in the NFL, you it, name an NFL football. Odell, Brady, Gronk. You know, I mean, they'll they'll be able to name a couple. Name name an NBA. Oh, oh, Harden, uh, uh, Curry, Westbrook. You, name a golfer. It'll be Tiger and Tiger alone. This guy is a tidal wave. His presence increases everything with golf, fringe and current, on on tour, everything, ratings, revenue. Uh, uh, the time they spend on him alone shows you his impact at four over par on the Masters. No, I take it. He is the most influential player I'll probably see in my life. Okay, that was my other thing was, to to be fair to the take, it was about your lifetime. So yeah. So you are agree. Okay. 100%. All right, sounds like I threw one right in your wheelhouse. How about this? Doug Gottlieb, earlier in the week, after the Rams traded for Brandon Cooks, Doug wasn't so hot on Sean McVay unless Sneed's plan. And you sign with the Rams, and you sign with the Rams, and everybody signs with trades to the Rams. The Rams' lack of a plan appears to be their plan. And, and look, some people go to the grocery store and shop this way. They just go, and they just go. And they're like, ooh, that looks good. Ooh, that looks good. Ooh, that looks good. The thought that players playing on their last year of their contract is going to get them to all play hard. Aaron Donald, last year of his deal. And Dominican Sue, last year of his deal. Todd Gurley, Marcus Peters, Brandon Cooks, Lamarcus Joyner, Roger Saffold, um, Rob Havenstein, Jamin Brown, Ethan Westbrooks, Kayvon Webster, Dominique Easley, Matt Longacre, all in their last year of the deals, all with the Rams. You've heard of senioritis, right? Everybody knows the senioritis? Remember from high school? You're like, oh, boy. Their lack of a plan is their plan, and that's not a very good plan. Rich, you played in the NFL. We'll start with you on this one. 
Doug is down on the Rams right now. Take it or leave it. I leave it. I I, I think he's way off base. This is uh this is the same theory I have when I rent a car versus driving my own. When I have my car parked at home and I'm I'm on vacation, I'm driving a rental. I'm driving that rental like a rental. I'll wear it out. Okay, so Gurley and Golf and Donald are your car. You got them parked in your driveway. They're at home right now. You're in West Palm Beach. You're getting a rent-a-car. You'll drive that thing into the dirt. Maybe it's a Wrangler. You'll take it off-road a little bit. That's Sue. That's Tlaib. That's Joseph. That's Odell if you get him. Gronk if he comes for a year or two. That's what they're doing right now. They're renting cars. They're going to beat them up. They're going to give them back. And guess what? They'll be better for it. I leave this take. I think the Rams are doing a lot of good for themselves right now. I don't think Doug is completely off base in that I'm not 100% convinced uh, that this is going to work as seamlessly as the Rams think. But I'm also going to leave it for this point. There is a plan. There is a plan. It just doesn't have to do with football. Everybody's missing the real point on this. You honestly think it's a coincidence that they came out with the prices for PSLs and within the next four weeks acquired four stars? Get out of here. You're in Los Angeles, California, USC football, Lakers, Lonzo Ball, Clayton Kershaw. You need to sell PSLs at six figures. You're not going to do it with Jared Goff because he's a quote-unquote nice quarterback. You need to get into conversations about Odell, Indomitian Sue, Marcus Peters, Akib Talib. Have you noticed outside of Brandon Cooks, it's not just big names, it's big personalities. It's jersey-buying type people. This move is not about winning football games in the NFC West. It's about selling PSLs. You don't have to like the plan, but that is a plan. All right, one more for you guys. Jason Smith on Thursday, and this was a scorcher. Guys, this was a hot one. (laughs) Oh, Jason. Conor McGregor, this is the nationwide story. Uh, Conor McGregor storming a van of fighters at the UFC 223 Media Day. Obviously in a lot of legal trouble right now. He was arrested after this. Well, Jason Smith took to the airwaves and said this. This seems to me like it's a PR plan that went sideways, and now guys got hurt, and now they have to deal with the outcome of it. Honestly, I don't think Conor McGregor wants to fight anymore because if McGregor really wanted to, he'd still be fighting. He'd still be making money. He would still be doing all he can, but he's not. And now, oh, I'm going to show up here? Doesn't make sense. If you ask me about Conor McGregor, I'd say, are we ever going to see him fight again? I would say no. Feel the burn, guys. Feel that burn. (laughs) Mark, we'll let you start with this one. Take it or leave it. You know, I tell you what, I really have to hesitate for a moment because agreeing with Jason Smith is not my thing. But I have to here. I have to take this. I have to take this because Conor McGregor, People don't realize he made about $100 million in that fight with Floyd Mayweather, somebody who had never been paid more than $3 million for a fight before that. That is generational wealth. That is going to change your thought on how things are going to lay out the rest of the way. Fighting hurts. When I have $100 million, I will never let anybody touch me ever again unless it's my wife. It's that simple. Conor McGregor, um, he and the UFC both – are in need of attention, but Connor wants to do it without actually getting in the ring. That's why you're seeing things like what we saw this week. 
I can totally buy this, that he's done. Oh, no, I leave it. I think Connor will fight again. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be in the UFC or if he's going to create a league of his own. Um, but this is a guy who's built his entire brand about being a combat sport hero for the people. This is not resonating well for him. He's going to spin this back in his favor after the court dates settle and resolve, and he's probably coming after the UFC if they don't come after him. Conor McGregor will fight again. This could have been a PR stunt gone wrong, but I see it more this way. This is a guy who wants to be respected. He feels like he earned something going toe-to-toe with Mayweather and being a, a, a two-weight class champion in the UFC, and he doesn't feel like he's getting that respect. When you're at the top, very easy to become complacent. We're seeing it with the Warriors. You create drama to compel yourself to action. That's what's happening. Conor McGregor will fight again. I leave it. All right. So uh, let me recap that real quick. Uh, Colin was on point. Jason was possibly maybe on point-ish. And uh, and Gottlieb was off the reservation. Oh, come on, <laughs> Jaggy. Off the, off the reservation completely. Um, all right, that's taken or leave it. Uh, 3 o'clock Pacific every single Saturday. Fox Sports Radio, Mark and Rich. Patrick O'Neill around the corner, 15 minutes away. But before he joins us, we've got to talk about the greatest baseball player who ever lived. We will next. <laughs> all right, Fox Sports Radio, uh, Mark and Rich. Glad you are with us today. Um, all right. So, just updating the Masters, Patrick Reed just gave one back on 16. That's a golf way of saying he bogeyed. He gave one back. um, And I think that McElroy, if I've got this right up to the minute, is now down by four. And, you know, a lot of people look at that, and in golf, they're like, oh, gosh, okay, Patrick, what's your jacket size? Right. Hold on. Especially at these major tournaments, I'm telling you. Do I have that right? Didn't Spieth have a four-shot lead with six holes to play last year? And then he went to the par three twelfth. He put two in the water, and that was that. Like, I, I, I mean, uh, there is a ton of golf left. In fact, Reed is now chipping for a birdie on his very next hole. So he might make another bogey right here. There's a ton of time left. This is absolutely uh, not overall, but Reed and McElroy both look fantastic. So does Fowler. Uh, and it looks like if I had to pick three guys that are going to jostle it out down the stretch, those would be the three guys. Yeah, look, Sergio Garcia won this tournament last year, okay? On the 15th in the opening round, it's a par five. Uh, he recorded a 13. Yes, he hit the ball in the water five times. Like, it's just, I'm not saying they're all going to look like that. But you can have a hard time with one stroke, just one stroke, and then it ruins the leaderboard and everything that you thought changes. Well, the Masters is often, actually, if you think about this historically, often the Masters comes down to sort of a um, a pivotal moment. And it's either a shot that can become disastrous or – a disastrous shot followed by an insane save. Go back to Sergio. Mm. Last year, 13th hole, he hit the ball up on a hill in the bushes. And then he hit that miracle shot out of the bushes. And he ended up going on to win the tournament. By the way, Rory just sunk a very long putt on the 18th. Was that for birdie or was that for par? 
Uh, I'm not sure. we got to see the score flash up here on the screen, but Rory is pumping fists, and off the 18th green, the fans are going wild. we got fist bumps with the caddy. Rory just finished one hell of a golf round, or was that only the 17th hole? I'm not sure yet. He is up to minus 11, though. Uh, was that the 17th or the 18th? That was the 18th. Rory has birdied the 18th. He's at 11 under par. He's just three off the lead. This thing's not over at all. But go back to Tiger the last time he won this. Remember, 16th hole, par three, yanks it left. Oh, crap, Tiger's going to lose. What does he do? He goes over to the rough, chips the ball across a hill. It slowly rolls down a hill, diving, 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 pauses at the lip of the cup so that Nike can get a little ad, and then falls into the cup. And suddenly what was going to be a bogey or a double turned into a birdie, and he went on to win the tournament. I firmly believe tomorrow we will have a moment like that for either Rory or Patrick Reed, just like Spieth a year ago, Uh, put two in the water. There'll be a moment, and they'll either save it or they won't, and it'll affect the outcome. And you're right. This isn't as inconsistent as you might think. It's every year. And 2012 had one with Bubba Watson. I think anybody who watches golf remembers where he was buried in the woods after a tee shot. And he bent it around the tee or around the trees and landed it inexplicably on the green. Like when they showed the aerial view of what he did, the ball had to take a a hard right somewhere around 30 feet and managed to get it. So it was an improbable, impossible shot. But these guys are the best of the best playing the toughest course under a scrutiny that is unimaginable as far as. Uh, 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 having to be dialed in on every single shot. So we're expecting fireworks, whether those be duds or whether them be explosive, uh, shining moments, they're destined to happen. There's still a ton of golf to play and the most important golf coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Reed just poured in a pretty hefty par putt, so he's going to stay at 14 under par, three shots clear of Rory McIlroy. That was clutch as well. Patrick Reed heading to the 18th final player on the final hole of the day. All right. Uh, Patrick O'Neill is going to join us in about five minutes. Fox Sports West covers the Angels. This Shohei Otani guy, I'm telling you, it's early, so I'm not going to get into this guy's a Hall of Famer. He is the Japanese Babe Ruth. I'm not going to get into any of that. Here's the angle I will take, however, on Shohei Otani. Can we officially now place spring training statistics among the most meaningless things in all of sports. <laughs> this dude went out there and went four for 32 with four singles. He couldn't break 95 on the gun. He couldn't get a bunch of beer league players from Tijuana out in spring training. And since then arriving in real big league games, he's touching 100 on the gun. He's 1-0 as a pitcher and he can't play a baseball game without hitting a home run. This is absolutely insane. First of all, the talent level he's showing, the ability to do it immediately, but also, like, I'll never look at spring training the same way again. Anytime I see anybody do anything, I'm going to go, well, he might just be working on something. Like, I don't buy any of it anymore. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I won't name names because there's a lot of writers and a lot of scouts who know a lot more than we do about baseball because they cover the sport every single day of the year. They watch a lot more baseball than I do. I'm a fan of the sport. I'm not as dialed in. I'm not as close. 
you had just about everybody we asked a question to say that this guy is going to get roasted at this level. Like, needs 500 minor league at-bats, cannot compete. Talking about pr- perspective, that his swing's so broken that it'll never work at this level. <laughs> now he's hitting left center field, oppo shots, let go like uh, 20 yards over the fence. Okay. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. And then on top of it, the mound visits, the uh, the mound appointments during spring training, people were saying, yeah, I mean, there's something wrong. I mean, I re- remember even you were speculating for moments like he's got to be injured. I thought he was injured because like, I, I, because they told us. make sense. Well, he throws 99. He throws 100. And at spring training, they had the gun on him, and he was throwing 94. I'm like, five miles an hour on a fastball is a ton. It's a ton. I go, he's hurt. Yeah, so – This goes to show you, spring training is the breeding ground for a player to fix inefficiencies in their game. He may have been slowing his pitches down to save his elbow ligaments or to work on his other pitches. Look, it's the stuff that keeps you alive in a game. Command and the the opportunity to change to a different pitch that guys haven't seen. And I think that's what it turns out it looks like. He was working on on the mound during spring training. So can I give you an idea of now what spring training stats mean to me? I've got a few other things to tell you about uh, that are the same as spring training stats Okay, yeah. Okay? Uh, Divisions in the NBA. (laughs) Okay? Divisions in the NBA. Uh, What are you doing with divisions? We are the Southwest. I I couldn't even name what the divisions are. Yeah, it's the East and the West Conference. Can we just stop it? It's stupid. Okay, exit velocity. Exit velocity. Oh, please. I, I, like, no, this is did an Did the ball go one. over the fence or did it not go over the fence? I don't care if it was 112 miles an hour or 117 miles an hour coming off of no see posto parlo's bat. I don't – it doesn't matter to me. Let me also throw launch angle in there. Launch I, angle, I yes. I promise you I will never need a protractor to enjoy sport, and that isn't just an old guy complaining about the way things are going. That is not interesting. Okay, speaking of old guys, how about managers wearing uniforms? <laughs> Why they do look like they do put look a 70-year-old yeah. guy shaped like an Easter egg <laughs> in a pair of tight pants and cleats and all you've got is something hysterical. Yeah. That's all you get like the I used to work in minor league baseball. I used to call games in Boise, Idaho. Uh some people will remember the name Casey Kochman. He was an early round draft pick for the Angels. And uh, ended up playing for the Rays for a while. His dad was the manager of the minor league team I worked for, yeah. the Boise Hawks and the Angels organization. He used to every day say, listen, man, uh, we're lucky getting to do what we do. As long as we get to come to the ballpark, put on a costume, things are fine. Yeah, that's it is what a costume. He used, yeah. yeah, he used to call it a costume. And I'm like, that's perfect because you do look like it's Halloween right now. You're 68 years old. You're shaped funny, and you have a baseball uniform on with stirrups. You should, yeah. Like, you, what are you doing? <laughs> stirrups. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, that's boy. to me. That's what a spring training stat is now. I don't ever want to hear anybody give me anything ever again about what somebody's hitting in spring training. No, it's dumb. I I, I really feel like spring training in general. Uh, you you go uh, enjoy it, have popcorn, yes. like 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 sign some autographs, sign it, yes, and, and then honestly go play real baseball when the time comes. <laughs> okay, perfect. Get your popcorn. Ready. That's yeah, well, it's always ready. Patrick O'Neill, Fox Sports West, in a minute. Mark and Rich, Fox Sports Radio. But right now, here comes something that is the opposite of meaningless. Uh, our time with David Gascon is always very meaningful. Oh, meaningful, yeah. This, I mean, this is where Shirt we get the and sweet. Yeah, but the true nuts and bolts of what we're doing. 
You're the glue. You're like Derek Fisher used to be for the Lakers. You hold this whole thing together. Well, David? I hope you mean by what I do on the court, not off the court. <laughs> well, it's Since both. both of you men are married. No, it's both. Well, this is well, important well, right now no, to our relationship, no, it's Mark. Both. It's both because <laughs> it's a beautiful triangular <laughs> thing yeah. you have going gonna, on. I don't want you or Rich to turn to Matt Barnes and try to like run no, no, me no, off like no. PCH. No, 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 no. You're going you're gonna to give us really important perspective of information right now, and then you're going to go get us some waters. <laughs> so all of it. <laughs> All right, all so, of it is really important. All right, so let me butter you up because I know both of you guys will enjoy this. We're talking about the Masters right now. Patrick Reed, blue Whisper. shirt, dark blue pants, Whisper. dark cap. Yeah, pulls the sleeves up as he settles in over this putt for eagle. He'll start at left edge, breaking it to the right. It bends toward the hole and it rolls in. Yeah. Patrick Reed with a huge fist pump. It's an eagle. At hole number 13, and Patrick Reed now 13 under par. I hope he wears red tomorrow. Listen, no, he <laughs> will wear red tomorrow. There's no question. Bright and red. By the way, Dave, as a play-by-play guy, you know that was wonderful picture-painting play-by-play. That was, was great. It was. Yeah, the, Ryan and the rest of the guys in the back, we're going to cut it up a little bit short. I'm like, no, these guys will appreciate the long. Yes. Rolls his sleeves up. <laughs> up. Right. Okay, scratching his behind. Got okay, a, spending got a, a Large bicep. Sari yeah. was good today. He's fantastic through 17. He birdied five. He birdied eight, nine, ten. And then Eagles on 13 and 15. And as it stands right now, he's at minus 14. Three strokes in front of Rory McIlroy. Uh-huh. Ricky, Ricky uh-huh. Fowler is at minus nine. And he is also finished for the day. So we go from golf to Major League Baseball. Yankees and Orioles earlier today. The one-two. He struck him out swinging. Ball game over. Yankees win. Yankees win. They beat Baltimore by the score of 8-3. Subdued John Sterling on yeah, that like, call. Even, <laughs> even after it was, with, yeah, Yankees win. And he's like, so they beat the Orioles. Yeah, he and, sounds uh, like a uh, sick parakeet about to fall for <laughs> perch. <laughs> Sterling on that call. Cubs and Brewers right now on FS1. Ball game's tied at one apiece. Chris Bryant has gone deep in that ball game. We go from Major League Baseball, and we got a ton of audio for you guys. So the NBA, here it is. Murray has it left side of the midcourt circle. Puts it on the floor. Teardrop from 10 feet. Got it. Nothing but net. The Nuggets are on top of the LA Clippers by 20 points with two and a half to go. And this thing is over. And so is the LA Clippers season. That's that's like Rich when he leaves the bedroom, right? Uh, yeah. Like rips off his clothes. It's like over. That yeah, is right. Over before it started. It's the, You're it's welcome. What he, it's what he does at the end of our show. Each time too. Smokes a cigarette right yeah. after. Yeah. Awesome. Good yeah. stuff. Kicks me in the shin and goes to his car. All right. Rolled up my sleeves. <laughs> yeah, he rolls up his sleeves. All right, thanks, Dave. We're live, Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance with Geico. Geico.com. Or call 800-947-AUTO-ONLY. Hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Patrick Reed just put it within birdie distance on the 18th. He'll have a good-looking 10-footer for Bird to see if he can get it back to four shots ahead of Roy McIlroy. Keep you up to date. Patrick O'Neill, Fox Sports West, joins us live now. Patrick, great to catch up with you, man. What's up with this Otani guy, man? Was he just sandbagging at spring training? What's the deal? 
Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a slow roll out of Otani. Man, you guys are tough on these announcers. You're gonna crush me after this call. I that's know it, that's exactly say. right. That's exactly be right. Warned. Be nice to me. Be warned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll, you'll be nice to me now, and then as soon as I get off, it's like, oh my god, did you hear? Over before it started. Yeah, you know what? I, listen, at the game, at the game last night, and I was at spring training, and yeah, he was hitting some bombs and and batting practice, but only had the four hits in the games. I, I, I just did not it possible the ball just absolutely flies off his bat the sound it makes the home run he hit in the second last night 449 dead center over the camera well serious pop that got the angels rally going and the thing that's impressing me the most at the big a fifth inning he comes up standing ovation for this guy just throughout his entire at bat we just haven't seen that type of energy down there even when trout was doing what he does i mean this is a different sort of animal right now no this is a this is an interesting story it's one in baseball i think is going to be on the back burner simmering while everything else is playing out you got to check back on shohei otani did the angels know like when we were in spring training and that people were speculating he's injured or my goodness he'll never translate to the major league level did they know the whole time? Because it remained really positive, almost absurdly so, throughout spring training. It almost seems like that Mike Sosha knows, or right now he's kind of getting the kick out of like I told you so, because mm. he kind of has that little bit of a smirk on his face. He's incredibly confident uh, manager as it is in his 19th season. So even last night he was asked after the game, is it going to be tough to sit Otani? He's got three home runs in three straight games, but he's not going to play tonight because he doesn't play – you know, he doesn't hit the day before he pitches, doesn't hit on the day he pitches or the day after. He, he almost like he stammered. He's like, uh, uh, uh. But no, I mean, I guess not. But I guess he'll be available to pinch hit. It's just kind of weird, you know, what, what they're going to be doing with him because he's two different players. I'm, I'm going, I can't wait for the game tomorrow to see what he looks like as a pitcher because this is, uh, this is just something we've never seen before ever. No, it's fantastic. And it's exactly what baseball needs. And I'm wondering, Patrick, there's almost, it's almost like, a lot of it, and this is really like the culture of baseball, the, even those who cover it, they, they keep saying you can't do this, like it's going to fall, he's got to do this or he's got to do that. And I'm thinking, well, no, it's, it's already happening. Just sit back and enjoy it. Are, are, are there any signs or do, does the Angels organization have any sort of fallback plan of like, well, you know, if, if there's a falter, we're going to go toward pitching, or are they just going to let this thing ride? They're, they're letting it ride right now, Mark, because, you know, pitching has is, is been their weak spot. Everybody gets hurt on this Angels pitching staff. So, you know, the guy's throwing 100 miles per hour. He was averaging like 97, 98, 100. So he's going to go out there, let it fly. He crushes home runs, and, and he's, you know, he, he has absolute heat on the hill. So, let it go. Let's see what happens. You know, they say it's going to be every sixth day that he's going to take the hill. If, that, if that's going to be the case, that's fine. There's off days. There's extra off days now at the new CBA. Just make it work. And I tell you what, it's just to go. I can't wait to go on the road with this guy. Get to Boston and see what he's like against, you know, some really tough lineups. You know, the A's got the A's again tonight. Let's, I mean, tomorrow. Let's see how that goes. But I can't wait till he's uh, in New York and just the buzz, the media that's down there. Uh, you know, the line for the, the in the meal room is kind of depressing. Because they're just <laughs> but, um, you know, or just to get the media pass. I'm like, really? God, look at this, the, the amount of cameras. It's uh, it's pretty shocking, but it's, it's fun, man. It's a lot of buzz. Early season prognosticating. I mean, everybody has their opinions early on how things will shape out. And that's team-wide and with certain players, Shohei Otani being as interesting as he is. Let's get over our skis here, Patrick. How, mm. good, how good could this look? 
Like, what could be a stat line or, or a, a home run amount or an ERA that we could stare down come the end of the season based off what you've seen so far? Yeah, Rich, I was looking at it, and I think 25 home runs because Steer, if he's only at DH, you know, three or four days a week, you know, what, 400 plate appearances, maybe if he hits a home run every 20 ABs, 25, 30 ABs. I'm thinking 25, I would set the over-under on the home run, 75 on the ribbies, maybe that's a little high. Um, and then as far as pitching is concerned, I mean, if he gets anywhere in the threes in the ERA and, and over 10 wins, I guess Vegas had the over-under, which was a steal. What's, what's, gonna, what's he going to do first, 10 wins or 10 home runs? Yeah, you know, I'm surprised that he didn't lay everything on the, on the home runs. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a successful year if he can stay healthy. That's, that's the, uh, the big if. But real quick on the Angels, I mean, Pujols 23 hits away from 3,000. Uh, Trout's going to do his thing. Simmons is great at shortstop. Upton with the game-winning home run. Calhoun, gold glove, and a bat. Uh, you know, you've got Kinsley, you've got Cozart. I'm thinking this Angels lineup is, is pretty deep. Yeah, th- this team is one of those that doesn't get talked a lot about nationally but could really make some noise. Uh, hey, how's he fitting in in the clubhouse? You know what? That's a great question. He's got a, a translator named Ipe that does not leave his side. I can understand why. He does not speak any English. There's also... Uh, somebody that's hired by the Angels that is also kind of a, a liaison to all the media and a translator that will then translate everything Sosha says. But Cal, he says Calhoun, uh, through the interpreter, he thinks is the funniest guy on the team. Uh, Trout, Calhoun, Pujols is the one that ordered the silent treatment after the first home run. <laughs> so it's, it's sitting in. The veterans are really kind of liking him, and he even got the big ice bath shower that apparently shocked him like no one. They don't do some of this stuff in Japan. So I think he's really enjoying himself. Love it. Uh, Patrick O'Neill, Fox Sports West on Otani. Uh, you should tune in, man. We're going to say some awesome things about you in the next segment. Right. I know. I'm going to. Because okay. it all started. It all started for only 18 years ago on Fox Sports Radio. So let it rip, guys. Uh, I can't wait. Okay. Good stuff. Hey, Patrick, great to hear you, bud. Take care, Mark. It's been a long time. Take care. All right. There it goes. Patrick O'Neill, Fox Sports West, joining the Mark and Rich Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next as we continue. Connor McGregor, do we trust any of this? We'll explain why we're asking next. All right, we're going to get to some more of the Connor McGregor stuff. Masters Day 3 in the books. Patrick Reed, I almost called him Patrick O'Neill. <laughs> Patrick O'Neill was great. Patrick, if you're listening, God, that was one of the best radio segments I've ever heard. Yeah. So uh, there's yeah. that. But no, Patrick Reed, 14 under par. That's your leader. Rory will be in the final group with him. Remember Rex Hoggard coming on earlier talking about how great it would be if that was the final grouping because the two of them have a good-natured Japanese, uh, Japanese jaw-jaw back and forth right. with one another. Now they are the final group at the Masters. Rory's three back, and then Ricky Fowler is next after that. He is five back at nine under par. Um, and uh, let's see, John Rahm, eight under par. Henrik Stenson, seven under par. That's your top five going into the final day of the Masters. So more on that coming up in our final hour. We'll get to all the Conor McGregor stuff, which is just weird. But real quick, so you and I were just sitting here during the break talking about the Alliance of American Football. Correct. If you're unfamiliar, this is the new league that's going to be launching next spring, jumped out ahead of the XFL by a year, and is being put together by people – with NFL resumes, a lot of former players. Yes. Right? Yes. Troy Polamalu. Uh, there are a bunch of them. So um, 
Earlier today, late yesterday, we got the news that Steve Spurrier is going to be a coach. There's going to be eight teams. You and I have had this conversation during our uh, weekly show in San Diego. And you and I, I think surprisingly, most of the time when you see new stuff, people pan it. But you and I are both high on what this league can do. Because think about what drives the NFL. At the end of it all, it's quarterbacks. Are there eight interesting quarterbacks that people will be like, no, I want to check this out? And it turns out there are. I mean, we could fill half the league with Kaepernick, Manziel, and Tebow, and people will be going bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's going to be, if there's eight teams, four games every single week. And if three of those teams have one of those quarterbacks, aside from when they play each other. Oh, stop. Manziel on one side, Kaepernick on the other. Are you kidding me? People's heads would burst. Yeah. So there's that. But when we had that conversation a few weeks ago, I didn't think of the coaches. Yes. Do you see what they're doing? Spurrier. There's a rumor now I'm hearing Rick Neuheisel's name. There you go. Now, not that people are like, oh, sign me up to sit and watch Rick Neuheisel, coach. But the point is, there's personalities there. There's name value there. Yes. They're specifically going to target this with this league. It's going to come at a time where outside of that little bracket that we hold in our hands, there's not a lot going on in sports. I'm sorry. I think it's going to work. Yeah, look, I mean, Gruden's having this effect in Oakland currently. Yep. You're seeing this happen at ASU with Herm Edwards, their newly named head coach. This, to me, is something that is it is not it's not oft spoken about on sports radio or written about in sports media, but this reminds me a lot of, uh, of the early goings of Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. Like, this, no, no, listen, yeah. because I think like this was something that was being uh, uh, put out there occasionally, like you'd walk past a magazine rack at the airport and you'd see it on wired, like cryptocurrencies, the new the Bitcoin, get to know it now. And everybody was like, oh, well, what the hell, crypto, whatever, we're going to go on the plane. Then the IT guy at work around the water cooler going, yeah, I just bought like, um, you know, about uh, 7,000 Ethereum. And uh, that's really taking off because a lot of people don't know that that's actually the backbone of Bitcoin. Uh, but you will see in just a little, you know, and everybody goes, oh, okay, Michael, we're going to go back to our cubicle. But trust me, the Alliance of American Football is Bitcoin. You don't know it now, but everybody's going to be talking about it in about a year. And the reason is because they're doing it the right way. Similar to Bitcoin, building off of a banking system that worked. They're just doing it unregulated. They're still mining their currency. They're just doing it in a different way. American football. This is how this is. This league's going to survive. They watch what the NFL do, and they're saying, okay, we don't want to change everything. We want to work with you, and we're going to actually maybe even use our league as a prototype, show you what markets can survive football, show you what rules can be passable for fans, and that can spin off into your league. Uh, I tell you what. I agree with what you're saying. However, I hope it's not just like Bitcoin because I am still one of those people that's like, yeah, I don't understand what you're talking about with the whole Bitcoin thing. So I go back to my cubicle. Well, it's all based off of uh, algorithms, yeah. Mark. It's, yeah. it's very it's very complex. But as soon as you break the blockchain is what you call it, uh, then, <laughs> then you can actually – you can only have 21 million Bitcoins. Yeah. There is a limit. You, I want you, you to understand You that. sound like John Sterling doing a John Carlos Stanton home run. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying, but that's okay. <laughs> 
It's all good. <laughs> I think you did just tap into the key here, though. The XFL both times has been like, oh, that's the NFL. This is what we're going to do, what you actually want. Yeah. Here's the problem. People keep saying that they don't like the NFL, but they do. The NFL is king. It is the number one television show on every network, every time, every year. Ratings are dropping. Yeah, they're still crushing everybody else. So the point is, while people complain about the NFL, the same way Norm at Cheers complains about his wife, he goes home to her because he loves her. The same way we all love the NFL. So to try to uh, launch your campaign as the anti-NFL, not, not going to work. This is by NFL people doing NFL stuff with a little tweak outside of the NFL season. It's actually a really good plan. It's going to work. It's a really It's going to work. You don't know plan. it now, but you will soon. It's going to okay. work. Uh, Not long around the corner here. 20 minutes. Chuck Mindenhall on the UFC. Should we trust anything that we just saw? Mark and Rich Fox Sports Radio. And coming up next, we'll tell you why maybe you shouldn't. Well, I tell you what. I just want to trust things. I think it's really important in sports. You always hear come NBA playoff time, conspiracy theories. The league wants this and the league wants that. It's actually one of the things that makes when golf is interesting makes golf really good. It's really hard for anybody to look at anything on a golf course on the Masters this week and go, yeah, something funny's going on there. No, you hit the ball, and it goes where it goes, and uh, whoever gets the ball in the hole fast enough, they win. There's no officials. There's nobody out there that's affecting it other than the golfer and the natural elements. Um, I have the hardest time trusting anything that happens in the world of fighting. And that goes for UFC and boxing. Every judge's decision, I question. Every fighter's decision, I question. Every fighter's makeup, mentally and emotionally in our world, (laughs) I question. And I look at Conor McGregor the same way I look at Kanye West. I had a fight with a radio partner, an on-air fight, a debate, if you will, years ago. Kanye had an album coming out a week after he, like, went public and called, well, I don't even remember who was president at the time. Oh, called him Bush. He called him racist. Yep. And, and this became this big deal. And I'm like, well, he's just promoting his album. And the guy I was talking to on the radio was like, that's crazy. You don't do stuff like that. That's not good promotion. I'm like, well, sure it is. For the market he's going for, it's fantastic promotion. And all of the buzz, buzz, buzz back and forth, you know. LeVar Ball has even said it to me on this network. All publicity is good publicity. Yeah. So when Conor McGregor, when he does something like this, people go, oh, my gosh, that's it. His career's over. I'm like, I don't trust that they're not all in on this together. I, I, don't, I don't even – this isn't a political thing. This was just negative versus positive response based off of social media and gauges that people use. Like, you'll know if a news item resounds negative or positive with with the people who view it or absorb it. But Donald Trump was constantly owning every single news cycle right. throughout his campaign. You are fake news. The, Still does. The mo- majority of them were negative. He's our president. Like, it, like truly Visibility sometimes trumps, 
not to use the overused upon, <laughs> everything else. That's really good. You, you really. That's so good. <laughs> you have to. So good. You have to understand. Professional. Being a seat at the table or, or, or having a chair at a meaningful place uh, at the right time sometimes is all you need. You ever get that job just because you happen to be there? Well, sure. You That's, know, I, I mean, it, it's, it's rarely like the process just being normal and fair and everybody has an equal chance right, it doesn't Submit, work that way submittal of resume leads to interview of course and then through a careful campaigning and <laughs> we'll fine-tooth comb this yeah. and we're gonna get the most uh the most viable candidate no 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 what happens usually is oh my goodness uh, uh johnny left the mail room well, what the heck are we going to do? Well, well, Steve is a reliable maintenance guy, and then all of a sudden Steve goes from maintenance guy to ma- mail yeah. car guy. My neighbor then, has a son who just happens to be looking yeah, for a job. Poof, there yeah, it is. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you got a guy who's wearing a suit one day saying, yeah, it all started because uh, because the CEO saw potential of me pushing around the mail cart. And the truth is it has nothing to do with applicable skills. All it had to do was being there at the right time in the right place. The Barclays Center. Two nights ago, Conor McGregor, a bus full of fighters. This is a promotional tool that nobody saw coming. But who are we talking about today and have been since the end of the week? Conor McGregor. Who haven't we spoken of since his fight against Mayweather? Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is by all measure in my mind, an expert promoter. He went from a guy who was surviving on food stamps in Ireland to a name that challenges the very sport he's participating in. That is a pretty impressive resume if you're going to present one. (laughs) So he's big artist. (laughs) If you're going to do something and you're Conor McGregor, who is now set for life, that is going to expose yourself to legal ramifications. That's going to expose yourself to potentially ruining your reputation, whatever it is that you've built in any sort of business capacity. It better be guided towards something. I don't well, think he missed. I think he made this shot. 100%. And you could say, well, wait a minute. Other fighters were hurt and all that. It's like, yeah, maybe. And maybe this went a little too far or whatever. But I'm talking about the intent here. Take a look at the New England Patriots this year. This is a brand we know very well. We know them on an annual basis. They're going to do what they do, and they do it well. And we line up and we watch. However, what do we hear every year when they make the Super Bowl from the average football fan? Oh, crap. Not the Patriots again. They're boring. But they weren't boring this year. Why weren't they boring? Well, they weren't boring because you took the two biggest names in their building. Yep. And had articles written suggesting that those two names were at odds. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, you got to pick sides. Every single fan in America, hmm, what would I have done in this situation? Who do I side with? Okay, let's go to the UFC. Who are the two biggest names? In fact, they're the only two names I could name. And I host a sports radio show. Many of them, in fact. Here are the two names, Conor McGregor and Dana White. And guess what? Now they're at odds. And you're going to tell me that this is somehow an accident and bad for the sport. When I saw the tweet that most people were putting out that day and said, I didn't even know there was a UFC 223 
until Conor McGregor attacked UFC 223. Was anybody else going to show up for UFC 223 Media Day until Conor did and threw a dolly through a window? It's the only reason we even know there was a media day. So listen, is it a little over the top? Are we being maybe cynical or suspicious? I'll, 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 I'll buy that. I'll give you that. But this is the world that they live in on a daily basis. It is still, while growing, a fringe sport that is based on violence and attention. Yep. And that are the, those are the only two things that happened the other night. So I apologize if I don't buy it at face value. I don't. You know, when, when do extreme sports make news? Extreme sports make news when somebody gets horribly maimed or somebody does something for the first time and then it goes away again. Tony Hawk uh, and a 720, the first ever forward flip on a BMX bike. I mean, they're so rare. They're so fleeting. The moments come and go so quickly that this these sports, these, these X-game type sports, took forever to gain any sort of respect in any sort of space. They had to be outlandish. They had to be bold. They had to be counterculture. It's how they grabbed, in a grassroots way, enough attention to now make some of their sports Olympic sports, uh, uh, widely accepted now on an international stage. UFC is fighting, you know, and pardon the expression again, their asses off to become relevant on an international and, and respectable stage. And the problem, the problem here is you have to be a counterculture first. This has to be cool before it's relevant. And this is getting there. Conor McGregor is the biggest star the sport has ever known. And the reason why he's cool is because he's such, he's such a wild man. And they're wrapping his arms around this. Dana White is no idiot. This was a blood sport. This was a no-holds-barred sport at first. People losing teeth, losing ears, <laughs> duct-taping their ears to their heads so they wouldn't lose a lobe. Okay, that's where this started. It has progressed so far. There are now rules. There are now judges. There are now referees. There's a cage to contain them. Sometimes the fights went off of the platform into the crowd for crying out loud. This is is a sport that is desperately yearning for its relevance and for its seat at the table. And sometimes, just like I was talking about our president and just like you were talking about in 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 the, the working world, sometimes you just have to be at the right place at the right time, and this happened at the right time because they're promoting a fight that nobody knew about, and now they do. Chuck Mendenhall, uh, MMAfighting.com, is going to join us in a few minutes, and, and we can dive deeper on this. Do you remember the movie uh, The Rock? Yeah, Nick, of Nick course. Cage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Connery. Okay, so um, I remember when that first came out, and I actually dig that movie, but a friend of mine did not like the words, did not buy it. He did not buy the premise. And the reason he didn't buy the premise is he was like, remember Ed Harris's character in there? He was the leader of like this, you know, this nerve gas that he was firing all over the country. Yeah. Or it was aimed at the city of San Francisco. Um, so he goes, I don't buy Ed Harris's character and like why he's mad. If you remember the movie, and and I apologize yeah, yeah. if you don't, the movie the movie's been out for a long time. <laughs> no, no, I know. Especially if you're in your 20s. Sorry, but the movie <laughs> here was the basic idea. Ed Harris was a military guy, and he was ticked because he didn't like the way the military and the government were handling the families of those who were killed. 
Got it. Like the messaging was wrong and they weren't handling health coverage and things like that. So what does a guy in that position do? I don't know, aim nerve gas in a major city <laughs> yeah. and kill okay. a bunch of innocent people. I get your friend's like, problem yeah, with he's the like, premise. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't buy it. Okay, so the same thing is happening here. Have you noticed? I know if you're a deep MMA fan, maybe you know. What the hell was Conor McGregor's supposed reason for being so upset? The average fan has no clue. So here he is attacking a media day, hucking equipment through a bus at his, you know, to the injury of his own counterparts. And nobody knows why he's mad. All right. Maybe he wasn't. Yeah. Maybe this all was just for fun. Well, I I know that sounds really crass. I I maybe I don't this think all was just, just to get promotion. Attention. I I don't think it look attention getting isn't fun. I mean, look, I I mean it ruins lives before it makes them better. The Kardashian story started out to be a a public embarrassment and they they turned that around and turned it into a mega fortune. Okay, that that was a family. Another premise that I don't buy. Who, by the way. Yeah, that was a fa- well. Well, listen, that was a. Oh, fa- how did that video get out? A- and listen, Cha-ching. whether it was a negative or a positive, whether it was guided or it wasn't, what you did is you took it and you turned it into lemonade. You got served lemons. A lot let's, of lemonade. Let's too, make man. a ton. Let's buy. Let's make a stand. You know what? Instead of a stand, let's make a building. Never mind. Let's own a block. That's what the UFC is aiming to do. Yep. And these are the first lemons they're going to squeeze. Okay. Mark and Rich Fox Sports Radio. Chuck Mindenhall, MMAfighting.com, joins us next on this very discussion. Stick around. All right. It's Mark and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. It's brought to you by Granger, the products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Chuck Mindenhall covers the UFC for MMAfighting.com. The Ringer. Find him on Twitter at Chuck Mindenhall. Chuck, we really appreciate you jumping on. So, uh, listen, we were just having a conversation moments ago about this whole Connor thing. And, uh, and forgive us if this comes off as a little crass, but... Uh, it, when, it, when it comes to the fighting world, I personally have a really hard time buying anything at face value. So when I see something like this, where I'm still struggling to figure out what it is that Conor McGregor is mad at, and knowing that the UFC will 100% benefit from a fight between Conor and Dana White, like I, I, something about this feels like a promotional tool. Chuck, is that a ridiculous thought? No, it's not. Um, you know, it's funny because... It's, it, it, this, this weekend coincides, obviously, with WrestleMania that's going on in New Orleans, and I know a lot of the people out there have been texting me and wondering if this is all a work, <laughs> you know what I mean, if this is all premeditated. Um, the truth of the matter is there might have been a plan of action to come in here and kind of storm that, that press conference, Conor McGregor and his, and his faction to come in um, and kind of confront Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, one of his rivals who uh, had, a, had a problem with one of his teammates, Artem Lobov. There might have been a little bit of that in the air, um, but... If it happened, I think it got out of hand, and I think that that's where the the big divide is between Dana White, who I, I truly believe did not know he would be showing up um, at that juncture. I think he didn't even know if he was going to show up for the fights. 
Um, so I think that from, from, the, from the side of Conor McGregor, I think that they might have had a little something up their sleeve to show up and, and make some kind of grand entrance and steal the spotlight a little bit from Khabib Nurmagomedov, and it just escalated out of hand. So last time we see him, he's boxing Mayweather, a different sport, to make an entrance back into UFC. We know this isn't a quiet fighter or promoter. His manager said that he's looking to, quote, fight as soon as possible. Is this how he planned to splash potentially then, to, to, to throw a dolly at a bus, maybe not intend on injuring anybody or get arrested for that matter, but a small price to pay to own headlines in and through a weekend? You know, that's the funny thing, because th- this happens, and I'm, I'm in the MMA bubble, so when something like this happens, it, it seems so egregious. Everybody wants to uh, jump on uh, what he did, and we, we've kind of been witnessing him come uh, unhinged a little bit for months now. He's had a couple of incidents where he jumped into the Bellator cage uh, for one of his teammates and uh, confronted a referee. We've seen some sporadic behavior that way. Um, so I think that we've been, we t- we've been watching Conor McGregor under a different you know different light and wondering when he's going to resurface and this is certainly par for the course for him you know what i mean in terms of he wants to jump in he wants to have that spotlight and let's face it they just they just mentioned finally officially uh ufc's president dana white said that he was stripped of his lightweight title on wednesday that became official and on thursday this whole thing happens right so the two guys that were going to be overshadowing him basically uh nirmanga madov and at the time max holloway um you know, they, they were going to be, you know, the guys who took that spotlight. So he wanted it back. I feel like it was premeditated in that sense. He wanted to make a splash, and he knows that he, he knows he's the only transcendent star in the UFC that can, can actually get by with um, these types of theatrics. Maybe not quite this far, but he'll be back. He knows that. And I know that Dana White, even though he's like, well, would you want to be in business with uh, Conor McGregor at this point? Ultimately, in another week or two, or as soon as this thing settles down a little bit, they'll be still in business with Conor McGregor. Yeah, Chuck Mindenhall, MMAfighting.com, uh, and The Ringer. Yeah, Chuck, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's almost like we've been comparing it a lot this week because of the Masters to Tiger Woods and golf. Like, what, what are UFC's options right now outside of Conor McGregor? Well, that's, that's a good question. It's funny, too, because this is a, a pretty critical year for the UFC, who's entering a, uh, a television. Their, their, their deal with Fox um, ends at the end of this year. So you know that they want to have some stars um, that basically make the whole thing attractive, uh, you know, again, when, when it comes time to make that deal. And Conor McGregor is certainly the biggest draw that, that the UFC has. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen, but uh, they've, they've been in talks again with Brock Lesnar. Uh, Dana's saying that he'll be back at some point probably this year. So they're, they're trying to put a couple of uh, those guys back in there, but that's why this was pretty untimely in terms of uh, if he gets suspended or however it plays out legally for Conor McGregor. If he's, if he's out of action for the rest of this year, that's kind of a, that's a bad look for, for him and the UFC. But ultimately underneath it, I mean, there, there just aren't a lot of draws. Obviously, John Jones would be like the next guy, but he's dealing with his own suspensions and everything else, and we don't know when he'll be back uh, in the cage, but it probably won't be this year. And so, you know, beyond that, you've got a lot of guys. It's kind of like it was 10 years ago. Um, you have guys that are sort of like Chuck, the Chuck Liddell calibers. There's a couple of guys out there who um, have names within the bubble and the hardcore fan zone, but I'm not sure how much they would, um, you know, draw the casual disposable income to, to uh, buy a pay-per-view and check in with them. So they're in a little bit of a dilemma, and they, they definitely need guys like Conor McGregor in there. Look, Conor is a man, but he's also a promotional tool. This sort of stuff, it seems like lemons, but it very soon could be turned to lemonade. 
Uh, this situation, a lot of people are pointing to the legal matters. Celebrities often askew the legal side of these issues. They're talking about the civil cases with the fighters being injured. We understand institutional payouts occur, especially when some of these fighters are under the UFC's thumb. Do you expect that the UFC is going to take all of this fanfare this created and turn it to lemonade, especially when they're in the mid of, of these rights discussions with networks? Yes. <laughs> Ultimately, I do, because Dana White is a, Dana White didn't just uh, cash in you know, $400 million in that sale because he's a, he's a dumb person. You know what I mean? Um, he's, he's, he's going to turn this into something big, because the, uh, Conor McGregor, let's face it, man, he, he has shattered records for the UFC. I mean, and he's brought a t- uh, you know, so much different kinds of media attention to the sport and all that stuff. So he's going to end up in another big payday. And, and Dana White, you know, Dana White is just, they, they are friends when it comes down to it because they, they're, they're equals. You know, I think that they look at each other as, as uh, beneficial to each other, and that will continue. Um, I, I just, I know that, it, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, there's some kind of ultimate slap on the wrist, ultimately, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're, uh, and, and, and he's back in there sooner rather than later. And they set this up. If Nirmanga Madoff is able to get through this fight tonight, especially just, you know, because that being the crux of, the, of what happened, why he was trying to throw the dolly through the window and all that stuff, you have a mega fight, you know, that they can set up. And I, I just can't imagine that the UFC, who's in the business of um, prize fighting, you know, and making money would turn that away. Because um, that that has the potential, honestly, to be bigger than the than the Nate Diaz uh, fights that were going on a, a couple years ago. Yeah, Chuck Mendenhall joining us. That's kind of the one question I have about how far this all went. I can see the UFC sweeping it under the rug, finding a way to get through it, and all the hurt feelings and even the actual injuries. But what about the actual legal process? What about uh, the authorities who have pressed charges? Like, what what is Connor facing there? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, I mean, obviously he posted bail, and I'm guessing he's back in Ireland now. Um, he was able to leave, but his his next hearing is set for June, and I guess we'll know more then. Right now, he is he's facing three counts of uh, of misdemeanor uh, assault, I believe it was, and one felony count of criminal mischief. So it really depends. Um, you know, if he's if he's facing this felony, that's really the big one. You you see the word felony, you think of now. Now we have to kind of wait and see how that plays out. But if um, you know, if he's not able to get this, um, <laughs> if he's not able to get that reduced down to something else, this might actually be a, a pretty big snag. But um, ultimately, you know, nobody was. There was a couple of people who lost paydays and stuff. But obviously, these are the types of things that can be fixed right. <laughs> for a guy who right. has lots of money. So so I really don't anticipate, honestly. Um, much coming of it other than he'll have that moment like when Mike Tyson bit off a piece of <laughs> Vander Holyfield's ear. He'll have this bizarre moment in his trajectory, and we'll look back on it ultimately as something like fuel for his next fight. Chuck Mendenhall, really good stuff. MMAfighting.com, the ringer is where you can find his stuff. Chuck, thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, great stuff from Chuck Mendenhall. Uh, and, and now I feel even better. You get somebody who actually covers this stuff that's like, yeah, yeah, this is probably completely about promotion. Well, I, I mean, realistically, I'll buy a thing. Yeah, yeah, realistically, I think McGregor saw opportunity here, and and actually reading deeper into some of the quotes from Dana White just a second ago, 
They were texting back and forth immediately following this. <laughs> McGregor was apologetic for injuring fighters. Like, do you want me to be mad or do you want me to be super mad? <laughs> Dana White. Like, if Dana White isn't interested doing business with Conor McGregor, why on earth would he yeah. respond to text messages? Well, he's not no, doing they, business with Conor McGregor. He's not doing business. No. They, yeah, Conor that's exactly. Is his business. That is, he's in the business of Conor McGregor fights right now, and Conor McGregor per his manager, on social media said he wants to fight as soon as possible. So book it. Uh, we're all going to watch when he takes the ring again. Wait till you hear how Brandon Cooks found out from the Patriots that he was being traded. That's coming up in about 60 seconds on uh, Mark and Rich Fox Sports Radio. But right now, now it's all about David Gascon. It Ooh. is all about David yes. Gascon. Coming in he, super he, hot. He's got information. He's got perspective. And he does it all with a smile. And here it comes. I do. I got some breaking news, guys. Uh-oh. What do you got? Your San Francisco Giants. Oh, Scored. Wing it a drive. Buster yeah. Posey, two-run shot. They scored more than one run against the Dodgers. And wow. Buster Posey's got a home run oh. his first of the year. Well, listen, um, I tell you what. Uh, the Dodgers so far this year have played seven games. They've lost five of them, and yeah. spring training ended with poop all over the field. I yeah. just want to say that's, that's right. basically what's gone on so far. And that's, no, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate appraisal, yeah. Big that's... Red is not at third base, so when Justin Turner comes back, they should be okay. But uh... yeah, Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What do you think this team is going to 69 games this uh, year? Or they're a half game ahead of the Padres. That's all I'm saying, man. <laughs> oh, That's man. All I'm saying. San Francisco leading right now 3-1. I don't know if you guys have been watching much of this uh, Cubbies-Brewers game. Yeah, we've been watching all of it. It's on right here in front of yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. On FS1. Well, yeah. Milwaukee was up 2-1 in the ninth. Cubbies come up. They tie it. And then John Lester was sent in as a pinch hitter. And with two strikes against... He laid down a bunt up the first baseline with the bases loaded. It scored the go-ahead run. Joe Madden is phenomenal. He does weird stuff, <laughs> and sometimes it, it rubs people the wrong way, That's but right. some, sometimes it's brilliant. The best part was is that Lester got a standing ovation in Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. Well, those, those people are just drunk and have – brats so they're, <laughs> yeah. they're just like yeah yeah they're chicago adjacent yeah that's right, that's right. for the cubs yeah cubby scored four times in the top of the ninth inning so they now lead five two there's one on and two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning again this ball game is on fs1 marlins are getting hammered right now by the phillies nine one in the bottom of the third inning padres and astros just underway from houston there's no score in the bottom of the second pittsburgh lane two zip at the end of one inning against the Cincinnati Reds, Royals blanked the Indians 1-0. And then moving on over to a lot of golf today. Patrick Reed, blue shirt, dark blue pants, <laughs> dark cap, pulls the sleeves up Arm as he settles showing. in over this putt for Eagle. He'll start at left edge, breaking it to the right. It bends toward the hole, and it rolls in. Patrick Reed with a huge fist pump. It's an Eagle. At hole number 13, and Patrick Reed now 13 under par. That's like a eargasm for Mark right there. That really, that was. I'm, I'm done for the rest of the segment. <laughs> uh, and Cubs win. That's, that's all, a final. Oh yeah, the Cubs have won. They Those did, Brewers man. tried, but they, they failed. Another standing O from the Milwaukee crowd. They love it. Not <laughs> often you see a pitch hitted pitcher, but guys, this time we did. We need to focus on the Masters right now. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, yes, yes. Gosh, focus, right. guys. Patrick Reed is your leader right now. 
All of them are done for the day, and round number three is in the book. So minus 14 is your leader with Patrick Reed. Rory McIlroy, who Mark likes That's to win this guy. thing. That's going to win the tournament tomorrow, Rory McIlroy. He's three strokes behind. Ricky Fowler is at minus nine. Henrik Stenson is at seven under par. Tiger Woods, it, Phil Mickelson, are, uh, well, they're nowhere in sight. No, they aren't. But i tell you what, interesting, interesting point being made throughout the morning by my 11-year-old son, Abe. He wants to know why it's not Nickelroy. He says it's McDonald's. It's uh, you know, give me uh, you know, McSimmons, oh, Mc- McGregor, McGregor, Connor McGregor. He goes, it's not McGregor. Why is it McElroy? Dad, it's McElroy. Hmm. So uh, did you yeah. start uh, doing a little John Strilling on him then? Like, uh, yeah, no, 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 And then I and then I laughed because I was like, I think he's got me. I think he's right. Yeah, guys. One other quick note in the NBA: Nuggets eliminated the Clippers from postseason play. They beat them at LA. 134 to 115. Oh, boy. Things have gone well for the Clippers over the last 12 months, haven't they? (laughs) So, Chris Paul's gone. Blake Griffin's gone. They've got no stars. They're not in the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, uh, they're they're kind of still in the wrong city. Uh, But other than that, it's great. They got Jerry. (laughs) They got Jerry West. (laughs) You watch. Uh, Yes, they do. All right, Mark and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. We'll find out what the guys here in the room learned from us today. Mm. Uh, Coming up in about 10 minutes, uh, we're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studio. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Geico Geico.com or 800-947-AUTO. Only hard part figuring out which way is easier. Let me read you something, Richard Ornberger, former New England Patriot. Okay. So this is a quote from Brandon Cooks. Former Patriots wide receiver. Yep, just traded to the Rams for a first-rounder. In a day and age where everybody seems to be finding out on social media about their future as an athlete, Cook says, quote, they gave me a call about an hour before it happened. I have a ton of respect for Belichick, and we have a ton of respect for each other. You hear the horror stories of guys finding out on Twitter, but at the end of the day, you know the way they run things over there and the respect that we have for each other. He gave me a call. And he gave me a heads up, and at the end of the day, all you can do is respect that and have to understand it's a business. This resonated with me because I know you yep. and because I know the exact same story that you have about the day Bill Belichick called you uh, to move on from your services, um, and I thought uh, the two sounded pretty familiar. Well, look, this is uh, this is the business of of the Patriots. It's all they do. Uh, it's 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 groomed, it's polished, it's buttoned up. Uh, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be done. It is all business, though. And so when it comes to the business of doing football, yeah, there are times where people walk away from that 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 system feeling used. And those are the people who attach more motion to business than the Patriots and Bill Belichick especially right. do. That is not what he's interested in. And as a matter of fact, and this is an op- opinion uh, I, I I do believe I believe full heartedly that Kraft stepped stepped in the way of Belichick's decision to operate business as business has been done and move Brady before he was done. Kraft said, "No, that's a son. That's an adopted son at this point. Uh, he's been working for me for 17 years. I'll know him the remaining of uh, remainder of my days." The man bought the Patriots when he was in his late 50s. He's now in his early 70s, and from a generative standpoint, he couldn't see moving on from somebody who he's basically labeled as a family member. So it was Garoppolo instead of Brady. And whether you like that decision or not, 
Belichick was just operating from a business machine-like standpoint. Brandon Cooks, yeah, you're absolutely right. You could get warm and warm fuzzies about finding out via your coach instead of social media, but let's be realistic. That's the way it should always be done. That is the way it should be done. However, I have always found it very interesting uh, that when Belichick called you to release you, yeah, how long did the two of you stay on the phone? Oh, it was beyond thirty minutes. We spoke. Yeah, we. I mean, we spoke close to an hour, probably forty minutes. Yeah, we spoke for about forty minutes. Okay. Yeah, that, that that says something to me. Um, and I don't know specifically while you were playing there what your level of closeness was. Was it more? Was it less? About the same as the other players? I don't know. I know you were a big locker room guy. You were a locker room leader. Is one of the big reasons why you were there. And so maybe there was a little something extra there that Bill gave you. I don't know. But I've always, uh, especially since hearing the backstories of Patriot Place from you, I feel like Bill Belichick is one of the most misunderstood people in all of sports. I think that the average sports fan looks at him and goes, he's a curmudgeon, he's heartless, he's got zero personality, that guy we see at press conferences, that's him. I know all of those things to not be true. Yeah, no, look, the the subdued, hey, you know, we're on to Cincinnati, Bill Belichick, <laughs> like like that guy, he doesn't exist in squad meetings. When the team meets and he's addressing us, he's speaking with animation. Uh, he has actually pretty terrific comedic timing. This is a guy who appreciated my my skills to get in front of a crowd and entertain so much that it became almost a routine thing. All right, Rich, what do you got for us? And I would jump in front of the room and basically do a stand-up act. You're I would a wind-up toy for the Patriots. I, sort of. I mean, honestly, after my Same rookie. way you are for Fox now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rich, what are you doing? You want to do this? Yes, I do. And so I did. That's kind of the way it went in, in Belichick. In Belichick's world, what he appreciates is for things to be insular, for us to know and for everybody to guess. And that's the reason why you don't hear these stories. But that's that's a guy who has a personality, who absolutely feels and understands the plight of the player. In fact, I would go as far to say he's one of the most avid player coaches. You hear that word a lot wow. used about coaches who really, yep. you know, like, oh, a ton of respect for the players, and he communicates well with the players. Like, well, Bill does too. Basically, every single person, who's in the Patriots organization is there to serve the players' needs. You never walk into the training room and see a guy on a day off. Like, when you need training room help, they're there. You never walk into the weight room and go, hey, yo, it's it's not it, our hours. We're not open yet. It was 24 hours a day. You never went to Patriot Place, one Patriot Place in Foxborough, and, and looked for something you needed as a player to do your job, you the common refrain, and not receive it. That place is dialed completely around the players. It is not a fun environment. There is no question about it. <laughs> you can have fun occasionally, right. but overall it is an urgent, meaningful, business-like operation. But it is built around and, and meant to preserve the success of the players, and that is the most widely misunderstood thing about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I can respect the heck out of that. All right, Mark and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. What we taught the gang here in the room throughout these last four hours coming up next. All right, Mark and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes 
could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. We are highly considering uh, doing either like a Facebook Live or Periscope or something for in between the uh, segments. Oh, I know. So, so people can get the latest thoughts on veganism, uh, cholesterol, and all of those wonderful items in life. No, they, we, we just got uh, past some breaking news from our uh, our brave newsman yes. who is, uh, who's now going down the path. David of- David Gascon is going to eat nothing but lettuce for the next five years. Hopefully, Romaine. I think the iceberg is mainly just water and probably won't fill you up. He took but, Easter a bit serious, so he's becoming a rabbit. Yeah, so <laughs> Caesar salad without the dressing. Let's go. He saw the bunny. He's like, I could do that. <laughs> that guy's a hack. I could do that better. You know, it's funny. I, I did vegan David for a week. He's on the other side of the glass off mic. But I did it for a week, buddy, and I'm telling you, Nowadays, not as bad. Like I look well, I'm, especially in Southern California, yeah. where there are a lot of places that are catered to it. Please remind people why you went vegan for a week. Oh, I don't even remember. Who could even keep track of so these things? Rich lost a bet, which is why he went vegan for a week. And that bet, by the way, was a football pick'em contest between him and a three-year-old. Okay, the and three-year-old he, was cheating. and he lost. <laughs> And he he's lost. also a jerk. He lost, and he went vegan for a week. And by the way, the first thing he did when he went vegan <laughs> was go to Starbucks and get a latte. So he doesn't right. even Which... understand what veganism okay. is. Yes. However, uh, I digress. Yeah. Lattes have milk, which I learned <laughs> and corrected come midweek. So there's oh, that. Oh, that was a good time. I remember that. That was fun. Well, listen, I mean, I, I'm just a, I wish you luck. And uh, I yeah, actually man. found down in San Diego, there is a fast food place that does vegan burgers. There's one called the Big Zack. Yeah, I pounded like nine of them. I got through the week. Right. It was cool. So not a Big Mac, a Big Zack. A Big Zack. All right. So ask LaDainian Tomlinson to get you a ride from LA to San Diego. It's only an hour and a half. No big deal. Yeah. No big deal. All right. So guys, uh, let's hear it. We've just had four hours of brilliance. What did you all learn today? Let's go. <laughs> well, I, I learned that David Gascon is becoming a bunny rabbit. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I, I can teach him that you can eat the the fries at In-N-Out. Those are vegan. Oh, how about Unless that? Really? my vegan friends are giant liars like like riches at Starbucks. Well, listen, potatoes, and I believe it's peanut oil. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and a lot of salt. <laughs> is salt vegan? Yes. Salt is vegan, yeah, right? Yeah, is, yeah, no, yeah, we're that, good. That is vegan, for it's sure. Yeah. Uh, also learned the name of the worst umpire in baseball, Marty Foster. Marty Shout McFly, out. that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're going to have the Marty Foster rule. Uh, he threw out uh, Rendon after flipping his bat on the plate, not even looking at him for a called strike three. And it's just, he took off his mask, and you saw this big pudgy face on the other side of a turtleneck and his big chest protector, and he tosses Rendell. He's like, what are, we, what are you even doing? He didn't, I, I, didn't, I don't even know what I did, and he didn't explain. Uh, so, yeah, now we have the Marty Foster rule. He, he gave the same look like the deacon at a church gives the little six-year-old who won't shut up on a Sunday service. I mean, he was just like Anthony Rendon is in his 30s, I think, and is a professional baseball player. There's something about the dynamic between baseball players and umpires (laughs) that has to change. It's like they're not five-year-old students and you're the teacher. You're there to call balls and strikes. They can play baseball. 
They're adults. You're an adult. If they disagree with you, that's okay. In Foster's defense, uh, Gavin, he was on his lawn. I mean, let the record reflect. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good he was point. on that Dirt cut out on the lawn, actually, right. to be exact. Marty so. Eastwood. Yeah. All right, guys. I also learned that, Mark and Rich, you guys are both conspiracy theorists. Oh. After your uh, McGregor is a that that whole thing was a stunt. Okay. However, are we conspiracy theorists when a guy who writes for MMAfighting.com comes on and we're like, so what do you think of our conspiracy theory? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. You know. I mean, good news, bad news. It's news, and and right now the news is Conor McGregor. It hasn't been since Mayweather, and so if you throw a dolly through a bus window, as a matter of fact, when I leave here, guess what I'm going to be doing? There's a bus stop right over there on Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> I'm going to throw a dolly. I'm going to make myself yep. some headlines. Wait till you oh. see how big our show is next week. By the time you come back, Gavin, because <laughs> we're just going to go up and down the California coast. Hucking pieces of furniture <laughs> through buses. It's going to be amazing. Is, is the earth flat as well? That's my only question. I, uh, of course I, it is. Well, <laughs> come on. You Who can walk that? from one side to the other. Duh. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I learned oh. today, guys. Well, really quick yeah. on this one. The real 24-hour fitness is not across the street from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It is in New England where Bill Belichick is at the helm. Tell you what. I will will say this for certain. There were were plane trips back from away games where there was a fair amount of drinking on those planes when you were coming (laughs) off a win, where occasionally guys all soused up would be like, hey, can I get my workout in now? So you had a bunch of hammered patriots working out at 3 in the morning. This way they didn't have to show up the next day and do it hungover. So it's really not much much different than across the street. No, I I smell the next Facebook Live show about the patriots. It's going to be called Sauced Patriots Working Out. Who wouldn't watch that? I'd stare at that for hours. Um, Listen, I've been at a dinner with you and another one of your former patriot compadres. We Uh should call them compatriots. and, and he basically said, I was with the Patriots, and then I went to another team, and I went to do a workout, and the guys looked at me, and they're like, yeah, dude, the, the, the gym's closed. Yeah. And he's like, the gym's closed? No wonder you guys lose all the time. <laughs> You're a bunch True. of idiots around here. Yeah. Like, yeah, really, you, you see how it's done in New England, and then you go other places, and you see how other coaches and executives pick your brains, and you go, yeah, okay, I get it. They're doing it right. Um, okay, Rory McIlroy, that's the pick. That's what I got tomorrow for <laughs> Master Sunday. McElroy. You you with me or you against me? McIlroy, I like this guy. Uh, no, it's 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 Reed yeah. the whole way. You like Patrick Reed, yeah, man. You're a trash talker. <laughs> At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.